Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacking here alongside my friend and uh, co-host of this podcast, Travis Crins. Travis, sounds like it's hot in your neck of the woods. Still warm. We talked about last week. It was warm, 90 some, and it's it's been a warm weekend. It wasn't bad, and you know, again, I've been out in it more than I would like, and it's it's not terrible. But yeah, it's it's nice and warm. Air conditioner's been running, you know, constantly for two weeks in a row. So maybe next week we can probably shut it off a little bit at night. Yeah, That'd be nice. open the windows up. <laughs> yeah. How did the pickleball game go last week? Uh, we did not do that because it was too hot. All right, that's it. That's and uh, pickleball tomorrow, I do not want to go because it's supposed to be 102, and there's no reason to do that. Nope. So. How's the sun? Been? I'm going to take a couple of weeks off in the pickleball. I don't know if Marcus showed up last week. We haven't talked. I haven't asked him, but I wasn't there. And I don't know if anybody showed up last week because it was, you know, 99 last week, I think. And we went to the pool. I think we mentioned we went to the pool. I had, a, yep. I have, I, I had slash have a terrible sunburn. Still have a terrible sunburn. That was my next question. It, at least it, it feels good. It feels normal now. Like, okay. I feel fine now. It's very dry in my shoulders. But son of a bitch. Finally, it was Sunday. Sunday, it finally started to feel better. Oh. And but just from Monday, Monday to Saturday of last week, it was just awful. How did you put any aloe vera on it? Yes, aloe lotion, just all that shit, and just six days of bad stuff. And it finally, it started to peel, and then <clears throat> it looks terrible. But finally, it, it just it feels fine now. You so. feel like a snake shedding its skin. Pretty much, pretty much. Now it just dry as fuck. The skin is. And it'll be fine in a week or two, so, yeah. Yeah, at least uh, for the St. Cloud area, it's going to be hot tomorrow. It's going to be hot on Thursday. But then uh, cooler temperatures prevail before the, the heat creeps back in, probably towards the latter, towards the end of June is what they're saying. And I really hope that. We have a nice 4th of July that's not hot and humid. Got to shoot off fireworks. Got to have the annual beanbag tournament. So uh, hopefully hopefully the temperatures are nice. But, yeah, it was beastly hot. We had a freak rainstorm, a freak thunderstorm on Wednesday, and then we were supposed to get rain on Friday, and it never came. It just kept coming right across the border, and then it just disappeared from, like, what the hell? Thanks a lot. Uh, that, that was not good. Not good. We have quite a, quite a bit to get to here today, so let's. Uh, I think we do. Maybe we don't. Um, so let's just start off with the NBA playoffs. Um, the The Milwaukee Bucks left them for dead after two games, and now that series is tied two two. Kyrie Irving out, uh, at least for Game Five. James Harden might return. We're recording this podcast before Game Five. Uh, do you anticipate the Milwaukee Bucks being able to win? Game five, and then ultimately the series, because that did not look like it was going to happen after they were down by 49 in the fourth quarter in game two. Yeah, injuries happen. And so I'm I'm never going to fault a team like Brooklyn adding all of these MVP guys because guys get hurt. And when guys get hurt, then your chances of winning are not very good. I don't feel bad for them. I don't feel bad for them, but... You know, you got Golden State and all these people, well, oh, they had a Kevin Durant. Well, people get hurt, and then if somebody gets hurt, you've got Kevin Durant there with you. So, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see if James Harden gives it a go. Sure, if Kyrie Irving was there, he would not, but they kind of need him right now. 
So I don't know. Like, I would prefer to see Brooklyn advance because I'm more interested in them than I am Milwaukee. But if we get a Milwaukee and Philadelphia finals here, and Joel Embiid's on one way, get he's one bad move from messing himself up some fierce. Mm-hmm. We've got Brooklyn, who all of their stars are hurt, and we've got Milwaukee, who's kind of been underwhelming in the playoffs, and scored many points. So if it's not Brooklyn, I don't, there's not much in the East for me to care about. Let me look at the West, and look like the Suns killing everybody. Yep. And Jazz Clippers could go either way. So it's going to be a very weird finals. No matter who gets in there, like it's just going to be weird. Mm-hmm. It sure is. It absolutely is. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, the Hawks very you know surprisingly came back against the 76ers yeah. to even that series up. Two, I mean, they were down by 18 points at one point in the second half, I believe, or in the game. Yep. Wasn't good. Uh, Kevin Durant, for the record, is uh, 20 for 53 uh, in in Milwaukee in games three and four in Milwaukee. So that's not great, but he has to do it pretty much all on his own. Uh, I, I don't know if those injuries come up. I mean, has Milwaukee solved it? We're going to learn a lot in game five because if I think if Milwaukee wins game five, they're going to win this series uh, regardless of if the, all the stars come back or not. If they lose game five uh, with a, you know, a hobbled Kyrie Irving or James Harden, then... Um, yeah, not playing, or then they come back game six. I think the Nets ultimately prevail. But, I mean, Joel Embiid, over 12 in game four in the second half against the Hawks. They need him. I mean, they absolutely need him to play and play well in order for them to beat the Hawks. Um, I I don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy. So I think it, it, it really makes me astounded that I'm going to say this here. But I think the Hawks, Phoenix Suns... Bucks, get on board. The, Hawks, Bucks. Well, I'm, I'm fine with Hawks, Bucks in the East, but I think regardless, I think the winner's going to be the Suns with the way they're playing right now. I mean, Chris Paul has been yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, he's playing well. Denver tried. Game 4 was kind of exciting, but yeah, Phoenix, they're, they're one of the more surprising teams in a long time. Mm-hmm. And you know, Chris Paul kind of just bouncing around here at the end of his career. And it was surprising that he got Oklahoma City to the playoffs and came very close to winning the title with Houston. And the Clippers never really reached their potential. I felt like they were, you know, never really did what they could do with him and like Griffin. So now all of a sudden, is it going to be the Suns that he's going to reach the final with the Suns of all the teams? Mm-hmm. You know? Just kind of throw it away. Yeah, here's Chris Paul. So that's interesting. What? So he has this great game four. Mm-hmm. And then he goes out and says, you know, oh, nobody believed in me and I wasn't this big time recruit and whatever the fuck he said. Did you hear all this? I did not, but I believe he was traded, was he not? So, like, he was all, you know, like, you know, I, well, I, I played JV in high school for two years and all this bullshit. Like, he was a five-star point guard. He was a McDonald's All-American. Let's not have him change the story of, Mike oh, some Jeremy Lin-type player. Or Mike Like, Dunn. no, he was a fucking highly recruited guy. He didn't go to North Carolina, but he went to Wake Forest. He was, mm-hmm. like, the third pick in the draft. He was highly thought of. He was, a, he was great in the college. He's been great in the NBA. So let's not 
And at the end of his career, 36, and yeah, nobody expected him to do this with the Suns, and the MVP votes came out, and he got some MVP votes. It's like he didn't, like he didn't have a great year, like based on his season averages, his career averages, this was a below average year for him because he's 36 years old, and he probably are going to be below your career averages when you're 36. But for whatever reason, the, the, the makeup of the Phoenix Suns, it's working for them. So mm-hmm. and he gets he gets a lot of credit for that because they weren't very good last year. They were 8-0 right in the bubble last mm-hmm. year. Yep. Before this. So that's they, what they said propelled them towards this great season. Like, that's what really set everything in motion. Was they, I, I don't know. I, I got to, like, who did they play? I don't know. So they play, you know. And they get at the end of last year. They're the surprise team here this year. Like, I don't know. What's and, hotter right now, the Phoenix Suns or the weather in Phoenix and Vegas? Well, probably the Phoenix Suns. Okay, very good. So they, I mean, they knock off the Lakers. I, you know, if Anthony Davis is healthy, maybe that's a different series, but he's not. And, again, that's part of the deal. Health, mm-hmm. health is part of it. So, you know, they're going to – whoever comes out of the – out of the West is just going to be weird mm-hmm. to have that team in there. No, I think, and honestly, Monty Williams, head coach of the Suns, would have been my pick for NBA head coach of the year. He was voted head coach of the year by his peers. The media stupidly gave it to Tom Thibodeau of the New hey, York Knicks. Hey, hey, hey no, 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 no. The Knicks to the playoffs. No, they who got the gives Knicks a to the playoffs. Who? Okay, they were the four seed. The Phoenix Suns were the two seed in the West. And how many times have we said, "Oh, the East is trash compared to the West"? Yes, I mean it, it's just they were fifty-two and twenty-one or whatever the hell they were. I mean they were fantastic. So let's give some. Look, Monty Williams needed to get more respect for what he did with the Suns. So I'm glad to see that the Suns are doing the, what they're doing. And what are the Knicks doing right now? Playing golf because How they got bounced by the Ugh, you Screw them. Just screw the Knicks. I hate them. Anyway, uh, Clippers, uh, Jazz, no one's won on the road yet. Home court has served. That's I hate, I hate the series stacking because it's the home team that wins and then when the other team's at home, they win. And it's a dumb series because... The home team always wins. Like, And they're not even close games. Game one was the closest. No. Like, how are you 20 points better at home and then you go on the road and you're 20 points worse? It's like, well, because you play in a different game. It's like, why? Yep. That's the thing I hate most about basketball is why. Yep. So. Don't get it. So uh, we'll keep tabs on the NBA playoffs here as we uh, get down to the conference finals. That's where we're at in the NHL. Vegas and Montreal. That series one nothing. Islanders Lightning. That series is one nothing. Uh, any thoughts on either of those series? Vegas probably gonna win. Yep. Should be a sweep. Uh, Should be a sweep. No more than five games. That series cannot go more than five games. I mean, Islanders are the underdog here, so we'll see. Well, Islanders. I, I prefer to see the Islanders in there. I would too. I would too. That would be that would be a lot of fun. So hopefully the Islanders and Barry Trotz can pull it off. Uh, I'll try and get Marcus on here to discuss that. And also the UEFA, the UEFA, you know, soccer's going on. We didn't talk about that last week, but Marcus and I did. And I don't know if you saw it, but uh, yeah. someone from Denmark nearly died. And I shouldn't make that yeah. like that. I shouldn't say that so cavalier, or, you know, tongue in cheek, and make it seem like it's not a big deal because it's huge. It's a huge deal. He was gone. The da- the Danish team doctor said on Sunday in a press conference 
that that the Erickson, I believe, is the is the the player's name. He was gone. One uh, zap with the defibrillator, and they got him back. But what a scary situation there between Denmark and Finland. And then, like three hours later, they played the game, and Finland surprisingly won. They might be this year's Iceland. Uh, we'll see about that. But uh, a scary situation, regardless. And um, I mean, wow, I, I just I can't. You know, we've seen players collapse on the court before. I think maybe this is most reminiscent to, to who is it that on Gaithers with the uh, was it Loyola Mary was it uh, Loyola Marymount back in the eighties or the nineties? I think it was early nineties where he collapsed on the court and was pretty much just dead on dead on the scene there. This was a I think of if we're going to compare any situation to that, this would be the one where this guy is literally gone on the field he was dead they were they revived him back to life with one shock of the paddle yeah, i saw something on twitter something happened oh yeah this guy had a heart attack and almost died mm-hmm. oh, it's amazing amazing stuff like that doesn't happen more yeah like it happens but very rarely does it happen considering some of these sports and how physical and physically demanding things are well he, I, good for him thank god he's alive Yes, agreed. I think uh, there's a Florida Gator that collapsed on the court oh. this year uh, bet- oh. between them and Florida State, but I don't. The referee. Yeah, the referee. Yep, and that was a. They, they found out that that was a, a potential serious illness that he avoided, but I, I I don't think either of those guys were dead on the court. Like they didn't need the defibrillator to get him yeah. back. But a scary situation, regardless. I have watched a decent, uh, not a decent amount, but I've watched some of uh, UEFA here, and nothing's really stuck out to me apart from Finland. And uh, you know, I really wish Scotland would do something in North Macedonia. But do you have any interest in UEFA Euros at all? No, I've already was one. All right, very good, very good. But you know, there was a guy who collapsed, and I was on the golf oh, course. Yeah, it was some some soccer match somewhere. They were doing something. Yep. Yep, uh, there was, uh, I remember, I was on the golf course when I saw the headline, I'm like, whoa, that's interesting, and then you see all these tweets about, you know, like, this is the scariest thing I've seen in quite some time, it's like, wow, this shit must be really bad, so, very glad that uh, he's alive, That, um, but uh, I'll try and get Marcus on with more thoughts on that, and, and some thoughts on the hockey as well. Uh, I'm going to get Charlie on the podcast here later because their next big story, unless you have anything else NHL or soccer related, we need to get to. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> Very good. The big news last week in the world of sports, the college football playoff is expanding more than likely from four teams to 12 teams. This is uh, They're going to take the top six conference winners and then the six at-large seeds. And... I don't know about you, Krenz, but, you know, I mean, Bill Hancock. It's too big. I think it's too big. It's way too big. Yep. They needed to go to eight. I don't know why you just bypass the simplest thing. You take the six, you like the, the power five conference teams, and then the like the best of the non-power five, the, the, the group of five, yeah. and then you take two at-large teams. There's your eight. That seems very simple. Instead, they're going 12 here. It seems greedy. We had Bill Hancock. Bless his soul. On um, oh, is that dead? Well, I know he's not dead, but uh, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, not rest in peace. Bless his soul, man. But I mean, we had Bill Hancock on on the radio show 
way back when, when he was the director of the BCS, and he was steadfast against the college football playoff. We had asked him, like, hey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because now he's the director of the of the college football playoff. And then he's like, oh, you know, four teams, that's just fine. And now all of a sudden we're jumping to 12? Like, what the hell is going on here? This seems very, it, <clears throat> to put it mildly, this is very, 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 very greedy. Well, yeah, you're going to, you know, what, 2026 or, 20, I guess, 2027 would be the first year of this, probably? Maybe 2023 if they can get the agreement done. It's not going to happen in the first, in these next couple of years, but I think there's a potential that it could be 2023, 2024. Potential. Like, again, all of this hinges on the most important thing. It's the TV deals and ESPN and when can we get the bids out and when can you pay us for these extra playoff games. That's all this is. This is a TV show, and we want more episodes of the show. So we're saying, yeah, we'll give you more episodes of the show with a with a 12-team playoff. So it's, you know, it should be something. Um, with with college football being the way it is, with no playoff for 100 years, wow. every other sport at every other level has playoffs. Uh, use them. I think they're going to. Are they going to use the bowl sites for all of these games? Uh, not the first round. Not, the, not yeah. the not the team seated five through twelve because the one through four would get a bye, and then it's five through twelve. So the final three rounds, I think, then would be at neutral sites. Where, where so you've teams? got seven games, which is what just three more than you have, or four more than you have now. Right. Like the bowl games don't mean anything anyway anymore. You know. So this ain't going to help that. Uh, I guess the quarterfinals would, would be always played on January 1st or January 2nd. So, you know, January 1st is always the Rose Bowl and you get a couple, you know, the Sugar Bowl, you get a couple of those bigger games. Mm-hmm. On January 1st, or would January 1st now have more meaning since it's, you know, going to be those quarterfinal games, those, I guess, eight games in one day or however they would do that. We're going to have eight or four games in one day. Uh, that means the championship wouldn't be what till the middle of January, the fifteenth. Yeah. Like um, the Super Bowls, the Super Bowls are in the middle of February. Yeah. And now we're getting the uh, college football season to the middle of January. So just pushing it back uh, week by week, month by month. Um, I'm okay with it. You're going to get, you know, at least one underdog group of five team in there you're guaranteed of that so that's that's interesting mm-hmm. you know you're always going to have that underdog in there um you know if you win one of those power five conferences like you're pretty much automatically going to be in because i just don't see a scenario where you're not in the top 10 or 12 winning the big 10 big 12 the acc all of these conferences so they save themselves there you would imagine the SEC is going to have three teams in most years. At least, Every, yeah. At least, you know, you're going to have Alabama, you're going to have Florida and Georgia, and, you know, LSU. They're going to be, you know, three, maybe four teams in there sometimes. I think one year they went back and kind of seeded stuff. I think one year they would have had five teams in there. So Yikes. That should, that should be exciting. 
it'll be just be interesting to see like do we still end up with the same four teams at the end like we always do mm-hmm. it's always Clemson it's always Alabama it's always Oklahoma it's always Ohio State yep Notre Dame That's, every once in a while I think we've had Oregon in there before as well but yeah and, and Georgia's you know, been there but LSU I mean it's you know it's the same four teams 75% of the time mm-hmm. during these past five or six years so we'll see if it's any difference at all um you know 12 teams in you're going to get the top 10 or 11 most years and then probably probably one team that's probably not in the top 15 you know probably going to be you know 16th or 17th they're going to make it somehow you know uh, a memphis a central florida those type of teams a we'll boise see. state yeah boise state so we'll see where those teams end up being ranked but it's it's interesting you know to see see how this I mean, you, you look at, uh, you know, championship weekend, that first weekend in December with all of those uh, conference title games. Mm-hmm. Like, those don't mean a whole lot now. I don't remember. We'll see what happens. But, you know, you usually have, you know, Oklahoma versus Baylor. Does, you know, is, is it such that the winner of that is in? Yes. What is Whoever loses that, is that enough to knock them out of the playoff? Where beforehand, you know, if you lose that, you have no chance of the playoff. Right. Um, you know, the SEC title game, does that mean anything anymore? Because win or lose, both teams in the SEC title game, they're going to go on to the playoff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and if you've got a Big Ten uh, championship game, let's say, you know, you've got Northwestern and then they upset Ohio State, that might have, in years past, uh, knocked Ohio State out of the playoff. But now it's like, well... Instead of being a two seed, Ohio State's now a six seed. So what? Right. What does that really matter? Right. I. I just don't understand why you jump. Why the jump from four to twelve? Like, if you want, I'd to... rather them go from four to twelve rather than go from four to eight, and then eight to twelve. Which is like whatever it's going to be, just go there now. You I, know, think just like, too, I think it's just. I think if you just... want it to want it to be twelve, you just go. Just make it twelve. I think it's just too much, though. I think eight would have been a suffice. Number, because then it, because now, like you well, mentioned, who gets in? You know, who gets like, in if it's eight? Like you, well, like you said, if Ohio State loses to Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game, well, then they're likely out. Like they just are, and yeah. now, like under twelve, eighteen, well, they're not. Yeah. Right, right. Under twelve, they aren't. If you're at eight, you're like, oh, you know what? Maybe. Now Ohio State's got to be really nervous. Are they going to oh. get one of the two at largest, or is that going to go to say an Oklahoma or an Iowa State, or you know? And these other um, teams, and I get that, like you might not get a, a representative from the Pac-12 or the Big 12 in if it's the top six uh, uh, conference championship winners. Maybe you know the Mountain West has a really strong team that year. Uh, perhaps. I mean, that, that's what I want. I want a Pac-12 team to not be in. Right. Like that's what I want. That is my hope. I hope you know, like a Cincinnati's in the top ten, a Coastal Carolina's in the top ten. Coastal Carolina would have made it last year. So, Coastal Carolina would have made it last year. So, I, I think it would be, I think it would be just fine to, because now you just have some of these meddling teams in here, these at-large teams that, yeah, you know what, you know they're they're fortunate to be in here, and maybe they catch lightning in a bottle. Like maybe Ohio State loses, you know, God forbid, three games in a season, but somehow makes it in as a 12 seed and makes the Cinderella run all the way to the title game. Well, is that really a Ohio? Like, oh my gosh, this is a great 
a national championship run by Ohio State? Well, no, they probably shouldn't have lost three games to begin with. They're just fortunate that there are 12 teams in this year. I think eight, you take the top, you know, the the, the five po- the power five conferences, a group of five team, and then two at-larges. You do one through eight, you have the, you know, you have the quarters, the semis, and then the national championship game. That makes so much more sense to me apart from the fact that college football wouldn't make as much money. I just, I, yes, if you were, if you were, if it was inevitable that you were going to get to 12, I see your point about just jumping right from four to 12, but I think 12 teams is too much. I think it just, it, I, I, I think it's too much. I'm okay with it. Let's see what happens. Like, do you look at like other football playoffs in college or high school? Usually the best teams get through it. No, this isn't the NCAA tournament, or this isn't, you know, this isn't basketball where it's one game. It is one game, but usually you don't see as many upsets in football. Right. As you do. I mean, what did we see? We saw South Dakota State and James Madison. They were number one, number two, number one, number three. I mean, you've seen North Dakota State as a one or a two seed forever make the championship game. So whoever is a top seed... You know, the, the bigger the tournament is in football, it seems like the more likely it is you know, the top one or two or three seeds are going to make it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to be a whole bunch of these 10 and 2, 9 and 3 Power 5 teams that make it. You know, Baylor, if they continue to play well, they're finally going to make it. And, you know, these number two teams in the Big 10 or the Big 12, they're going to make it. So, we'll see. I mean, a lot of those years, you probably go back a ways. The ACC probably wouldn't have gotten anybody yet because right. you know, you'd have a you know conference champ of the ACC like ranked fifteenth or sixteenth. Yeah. So now they've got Clemson, thankfully. But if they didn't have Clemson, they'd kind of be on that bubble of are they actually going to get a team in? Right. Absolutely. I'd love to see a Ball State against an Alabama. Like just like Jesus. I mean, like my <laughs> idea has always been. Was there 10 conferences now? I think there's 10 yes. or 11, yep. 11 conferences. Yep, yep, 10 conferences. Like, just like every other level, you win your conference, you're in. So that's where you get the ball state, the MAC team. You mm-hmm. The MAC team gets the team in. All these teams, so every team, realist, realistically or not, every team has a chance to make the playoff and win a national title. See, I would be okay if they did that as part of the 12 team here where you just take the 10 conference winners and... And then two at largest. That would be fine with me. But they're not gonna. I mean, they're not gonna no. do that. Because no. They're not gonna have you know number seven Georgia not make it, but fucking number twenty four Eastern Michigan make it, or Texas you know, State not, or Louisiana or you know, yeah or you know, whoever Utah, Texas, San Antonio. You know, right. like. But I mean, I, I mean, we're already at twelve. What's four more? I mean, we, we have. All we need is the four other conferences. The four, yeah, the four other conferences. So, yeah, and if you're the MAC, if you're the, what, uh, these other conferences, like, I mean, you're, you're left out of this thing. Right. You have a chance if you're, if you're the top ranked, but how are you going to be ranked ahead of a, you know, an AAC school? Like, is that, you know, how are you going to be ranked against uh, a Mountain West school? So maybe- it's like, I think I looked at the list here. Mm-hmm. Like I think I feel like like the Sun Belt would have had one. They would have made it once in the past, however many ten, fifteen years, however far they went back. And that would the have Sun been Belt would have made it once. Coastal Carolina. Yeah, I think that may have been last year. So, like it's yeah, 
So uh, at least we're going to have at least one underdog in there that's different and interesting. But again, I always said 16 teams, and we're already at 12. Let them in. And probably those, those top four spots, I guess, are going to be worth something because you're going to get a week off. So I would be okay. Like, yeah, if you're going to – okay, so if we expand to 16, then do still six at large, but do all 10 conference winners. Mm-hmm. What's interesting to note in this is that Notre Dame could never finish higher than fifth. I think that's horseshit. You do. Like if they're, like if for some reason, like Notre Dame, like they just have the best team in the country. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, all right, Notre Dame, they are just without a doubt, just the best team, and they can be fifth. Like that's fucking ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like if you, I don't like that. So like if you don't. You know, if you have an Alabama and they're just killing folks and they trip up, you know, they let's say they lose to number two Georgia. Well, now they they have to be fifth. They gonna go from one to five because they lost to Georgia by a you know a field goal in overtime and the conference title game. It's like, how do you just take the top top twelve teams? You know, or like winning your conference? I guess that puts more emphasis on winning your conference. But we'll see how this or or this ends up. maybe Notre Dame could just join a conference. Hey, how about that? Join the ACC. Yeah, we just why, why not at this point? May as well. Or join the Big Ten, and the Big Ten can drop um like Rutgers and Maryland and send them back to the ACC. Or Nebraska. I want to get rid of Nebraska. Oh yeah, send them to the Big Twelve. Like, what does Nebraska bring you? Well, I'll ask. Not a big me like Omaha, Lincoln. Is that a big media market? I don't. I would say no. I've, uh, There's no professional sports in those markets. Well, I'll let you ask. I'll I'll let you ask Charlie that. Because... Well, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Nebraska, bad, 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 bad. Yep. I don't know. It's just. I'm glad that they're expanding. I just think the jump from four to twelve. I guess the maybe it's more so the parameters of the twelve are what's a little off-putting to me about this. I think eight would have been better, but it's still it's interesting. I mean, this comes on the heels of the NFL expanding to a seventeenth regular season game. I mean, the Super Bowl is pushed back a week. Everything's pushed back a week. So I don't know. It's it, it's interesting, no doubt about it. Um, so we'll I get it. it. I feel like this guy just kind of came from nowhere. It's like, oh yeah, they met, they decided this, and this is what it's going to be. Well, they were meeting. They're meeting this week. I think this was circulated, like yeah. in, in an email to them. Well, like, yeah, this is what they're going to talk about, and this is the deal. But yeah. I guess the one good thing is that like not every Power Five conference is guaranteed a spot. Right. Yeah. Like some year, you know, it may take a while, but there may be a year where a Pac-12 champ doesn't get it. Or, um, or in SEC. I believe, I believe this last year, when Oregon was 25th. Yeah, they wouldn't have made it. They would not have made it. It would have been uh, Cincinnati was 8. Mm-hmm. Coastal Carolina, very deserving of being the 12th best team. Any, anybody stacking. <laughs> That's how Coastal Carolina play would say, yeah, they're probably a top 12 team. So they, they would have made it. Yep. And uh, number 22, San Jose State. They would not have made it, but they were also ranked higher than Oregon. So, we had Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina get in. And even San Jose State, they would have been the next team up. Yeah. Not Oregon. So, yeah, what, Oregon was ranked, what, ninth? So, yeah. That's, that, that's, that's what I want to see. Yeah. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I do too. I want all these other small uh, schools to get in. I think that's that, that would be fun. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how that uh, 
that goes. But it's it's inevitable. I mean, it's not fully done yet, but it's inevitable that that's the move uh, where we're going to a 12-team playoff win whatever year that happens. And hey, what were the, what were the Gophers the one year? They went in the top ten, were they, at the end of the year? Yep. Had their bowl game that they beat Auburn? Yep, they, they won, they, it was the Outback Bowl. Well, you know, but that's, again, like, is Minnesota making the top four? No. Could they make the top ten? Yeah, they can maybe do that. Could. Could potentially. You're right. You're right about it. No doubt about it. Uh, let's see here. Uh, talk about the thing. Coach K retiring last week. So, um... Retiring at the end of the year. So, let's head to the baseball here now. Baseball. Oh, boy. Um, the Twins... Did take one game from the Yankees, and then, uh, but it's nice to see that the Yankees can lose to everyone else but the Twins. That's that's fun to see. I haven't watched the Twins game in two weeks. Oh, that's you're you're not. I saw because I read the sports every morning, and I saw whoa, they they beat the Yankees. They hit a couple home runs in the ninth inning. That's fucking crazy. Yep. But they did that, so good for them. And yeah, then, I, I don't care. And then. Uh, Rocco Baldelli messed up the bullpen situation big time uh, Friday like, night. I'm, I'm done after. with him. Get him out. I'm done. He, what, what did he do that I was pissed off about? Yeah, he brought in Taylor Rogers, your best guy, and he threw to one batter. He threw three pitches, and he brings in what, Matt Shoemaker. What was this? Against the Astros the other yes. night? Yep. Yep. He bring in Matt Shoemaker, who was supposed to start the game, but he fucking sucks, so he put him in the bullpen. They decide a good spot for him would be in a tie game in the ninth inning. And it was just ridiculous. And he he tried to explain it away. Oh, well, we needed this guy and that guy. We only had a certain amount of innings left. Heck no. Use your best guy, Taylor Rogers. You use him for three pitches. What a fucking waste. And he had not pitched in two days previously, so it's not like he was worn out. Uh, what a fucking idiot. What a fucking idiot. Uh, they can fire this stupid asshole whenever they want. Whether it's his fault or whoever, he's the one that actually has to make the decision, whether it's going from him or the front office. Whoever's making these decisions, get the fuck out because it's mm-hmm. fucking ridiculous. It, he looked so good a couple years ago, and then the, this, the, the constant issues with the playoffs and, you know, of course, last year losing to the Astros. Here's my thing. If you are saying that, oh, we don't have – if we're getting to the 11th inning, we might not have a bullpen guy. Well, by my estimation here – You're you, not getting to the fucking 11th inning because you're going to lose the fucking 10th. Sorry, well, <laughs> You, you only pitched three guys from the bullpen, and then you threw Shoemaker in. So tell me, like, do you only have four guys in the bullpen active? Like, what, what does that mean? You, In minimum, do, doesn't a team have, like, eight guys in the bullpen ready per night? Like, that's that's a ridiculous argument, isn't it? You can't use Alex Calamay because he fucking sucks. So if you can't use him, then get rid of him. If he can't come in... The guy that you signed to be your closer, if he can't come into a tie game at home in the ninth inning, then you need to fucking get rid of him. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, they got Hansel Robles, who's been okay. Bring him in. The biggest problem is use Taylor Rogers. They used him for three batters. It was or three pitches. Yeah, it was fucking ridiculous. And he struck him out. <laughs> and plus, they had uh, this Bailey Ober making his second or third start. Pitched fine, gave up two runs in five innings, mm-hmm. struck out seven batters. How many pitches did he have, Stacking? 73. 73. Maybe throw him out there. God forbid he throws fucking 85 pitches. Mm-hmm. Yes, he didn't pitch all of last year. Could you get 
I don't know, one more inning from this guy. If you're so concerned that your bullpen is so worn out and tired that there are certain guys you don't want to use then a uh, specific night, maybe have your starter go more than five innings and 73 pitches. Yeah. And then when you bring in your closer, have him throw to more than one guy. It was, it's, there's no explanation. It doesn't make any sense because it's it's wrong. It doesn't make any sense at all. Well, let's, and I and I, I quit watching this team. I I'm sure I'll see them at some point, but I have no interest. There's plenty of other teams I'm interested in. I have no interest in any of this. Their pitching is so terrible. But well, I, I have no. And Buxton should be back hopefully maybe tonight. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm interested in that. We'll just see when he gets hurt again. Um, I have no interest in any of this shit. Well, Kenton it, doesn't, Maeda, it doesn't have to be like this. Kenton Maeda is not pitched as well as he did last year. He's a has an ERA over five. But Monday night against Seattle, four innings pitched, three hits, three walks, seven strikeouts, one earned run, seventy six pitches in four innings. Yeah, that's kind of a lot for four innings. But throw him out there for another inning. Who do you throw out instead? Luke is it Luke Farrell? Got me. Yes. You throw Luke Farrell out there. Two hits. Two earned runs, one walk, and a strikeout in an inning pitch. And I mean, that's that's the game right there. So he refuses to use anybody good when the game is tied or if they're down. If they are losing or if they are tied, he refuses to bring anybody in. They got it. That would be good. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Yep, they got it. Even in this game, they were up three to one in the fifth inning. So who you go to? This stupid asshole. It's like. They got to figure out the pitching in the offseason. And I think, you know, as much as we talked about who's this, like Foley and who, whoever the other guy is in the front office and how great they are, they're yeah, analytics Levine based. And Derek Valley. Yeah, Valley. Thank you. They're analytics based. And clearly that's not the right approach because you're seeing these results just, it, it's just, it's terrible right now. The, the, the twins should be better than this. And for whatever reason, uh, the, their pitching just sucks, and I think that comes on the front office and also on the manager for how he's using the pitchers. Because he uh, clearly Baldelli doesn't have a clue. He you said it last year. You could tell when he was trying to uh, to either win a game or to like oh you know if we win we win if we don't we don't like that's how he used his bullpen last year. This year, just like well, whatever the hell we're gonna do. I mean, it's just bad. It's bad all the way around. And um, it's it's not fun to watch. I've been watching, and I don't think I've missed anything. Not a lot of injuries, and it's it's not fun to watch when you know that it just doesn't seem like he cares. I know he cares to win, but when you do things that don't make any sense to me, like it's like these moves we talked about, like why would you do this? This doesn't make any sense. And then I see in the start or in the in the Pioneer Press a headline: Charlie Powers. His headline, he does a column. He kind of like Sid Hartman used to do in the Star Tribune. His column, the headline in his column is, Morneau struggling in Booth this year as the really? with the Twins. Well, and he, and he said, Morneau is struggling because the team is bad, and it's hard to talk about a team you played for when they're playing bad. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Like, are you kidding me? Why is that a headline? Like, shame on, shame on that. Like, that's common sense, dude. Come on, Charlie. Bad, bad. I mean, that's it's yeah, that's, that's the last thing you should be fucking worried about. Well, it's just it's just stupid. Of course, any any analyst who played for the team who has like a who is like prior like like 
has an emotional tie to this team. It's not like someone who maybe you know, spent their their career with seven different teams and maybe doesn't have a like a huge emotional attachment to a team. Morneau played for the Twins for pretty much his entire career, right? I mean, yeah, so, so yeah, with the Rockies, with the Pirates for a couple months, he was with the White Sox for a season. But yeah, he's like he was with the Twins. So. Yes, I mean that's that was the, the team that he spent the predominant amount of his career with. Of course, he's going to be upset when they're. It's going to be a struggle watching the team play as badly as they are. Like, come on, like, that's just. He's, he's, I, when I've watched him earlier in the season, he's been just fine. No, like it, it, it's not that he's not good in the booth. It's just he's struggling in the booth with figuring out like good things to say because the team has been bad. It's not that his it's not that his uh, like his announcing or his an, like the color analyst skills are bad. It's more or less he's just struggling with finding good things to say about the team because the team sucks. Well, no shit. Everyone's gonna have that. Come on. I mean, how many how many times can you say, "Oh boy, this pitcher he sucks." <laughs> Matt Shoemaker has an area of seven and a half. He just hasn't had the stuff this year. Like, come on! Well, another guy got injured. Michael Pineda, stiff right forearm again. He did poorly. It's like, just the, it's it, it's just a terrible headline because, of course, you're going to struggle in the booth talking about anything good about this team. How do you feel being yeah, a Diamondbacks was, or the Orioles? You know, Nelson Cruz has been great. Yeah, but. <laughs> Like, it's like there's, you know, Buxton's been hurt when he comes back. Hopefully that's exciting. Nick Gordon, who's been in the fucking minor leagues for a long time, he's finally up and he's doing something, so yeah. that's exciting. But, yeah, I mean, everybody's hurt. Everybody's not hurt sucks. It's like, it's like, yeah. It's like Greg Cody and the Miami Herald having to write a column about, oh, I don't know, like if, uh, you know, who, who's a great Marlin back? And like, Bobby Bonilla, just for, just Dude, yes, giggles, uh, you know, just like, oh, Bobby Bonilla struggling to talk about the Marlins and how bad they are. Well, the whole no shit, because the Marlins are terrible. It's like the Baltimore Sun columnist saying, oh, the, you know, Gary Thorne, you know, you know, really, you know, sucks. You know, it, he's having a hard time calling Orioles games because they suck. Well, okay. I mean, it's, come on. Like, this is – it's just a childish headline. Come on. Like, be we we know they suck without having Justin Morneau tell me that they suck. I can see based right. on them playing that they suck. Well, no. It, again, it's not Justin Morneau. It's the headline about, oh, he's struggling to think of anything good to say. You don't have to say anything good. You, it, it sucks when – it's just – Whatever. It's just a terrible headline. Like, I didn't need you to tell me that to know that Justin Morneau is struggling because he wants this team to do so well and they suck. Like, you know, I don't need that shit. So, boo, boo on that. Uh, Padres are really slumping lately. That's not good. They're now four games back of the Giants. So, uh, we really need the Fathers to start go, uh, picking stuff up here. The, the, the Diamondbacks have lost 11 games in a row. Uh, let's see. Anything else of note here? The, uh, the Diamondbacks have lost 20 road games now in a row. Yeah. That's two away from a record. So, And they play the Giants, so I don't see them winning nope. uh, here today or tomorrow. Nope. They are very bad. Uh, let's see. Anything else? The Cardinals you have are- what I think is an American League Championship Series preview right now between Tampa Bay and Chicago. Yeah. They're playing as the two best teams in the American League right now. They're having a series. Uh, the Rays, their best pitcher, uh, Tyler Glass now, he's got some arm issues, which might mean Tommy John for him. So we'll see what happens with him over the next couple of weeks. He wants to rehab, but he might be gone for a long time. So he's by far their best pitcher. 
but uh, they're Tampa Bay and they will make do because that's just what they do. They just keep trucking along. There is one team, Crins, that has given up more runs than the Minnesota Twins this year. Detroit? No. The Rockies? No. Let's see. One team is all I mean. Like, oh, boy, I can't even. We just uh, talked about them. Who is it? Just talked about The them. Diamond Packs. Oh, yes. good Lord. Yes. Arizona. Arizona's bad. Jesus Christ. And, and they've only given up 10 more runs than the Twins have. It's just, it's disgusting how bad. Twins are all game behind Detroit. Not good. They're a game ahead of Texas. Bad. So, yeah, this season went off the rails pretty quick and just never, never really recovered. Nope. So that's, that's unfortunate. It is. It is. You can go back all the way to that Boston series when they, what, lost two of three to them. And that, that seemed to be the, the series that made the wheels come off this train because they were 5-2 and two at one point. Remember that. We're 5-2. and two. Shit. Um, Anything else, like, what, what caught your eye from the baseball world this last week? Yeah, sticky stuff. They're going to keep uh, next week. They're going to start enforcing that. I think uh, like every pitcher is going to be checked at least once. So we'll see what happens there with the sticky stuff. Mm-hmm. Um... My picture of the week. Yes, I was going to get to that. Yep, you want to get ready. It is uh, Taiwan Walker. Okay. He is with the Mets. He's pitching well. He has an ERA of 2.07. So um, he's been good. He was a, a prospect of note with the uh, Seattle Mariners a few years ago. He's still only 28 years old. And he's a free agent guy. He's a probably a... No, low-risk, high-reward guy. And uh, he was with Seattle for a few years. He was with Arizona for a few years. Uh, pitched with Toronto just a couple starts last year. But uh, he's having by far his best year. So when he's been able to stay healthy, he's been pretty good. So Taiwan Walker, still young at 28, but this is his ninth season. And uh, he's on a – the Mets got him for $10 million. So he's, he's pitching very well for them. Very good. How about your hitter? Uh, Brian Reynolds. Was that Brian with a B or just Ryan Reynolds as in the act? Brian with a B. Okay. He was a uh, he was with the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. This is his third year. He's still only 26. His rookie year was really good. He hit 314. Uh, last year was not good, but now he's doing really good this year. Showing some power. He's got 10 home runs. Hitting 286 with a nearly 400 on base. So Brian Reynolds for the terrible Pittsburgh Pirates. Hitting even better than he did as a rookie. So that's he's a guy. You know, Brian Reynolds. There we Pittsburgh go. Pirates. Very good. So our hitter and pitcher of the week. That is the first Pittsburgh Pirate I see that has made the list yes. so far this year. So very good. Very good. Uh, look forward to next week. Then with that, uh, anything Vladimir, else? Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s got 22 home runs. Very good. We like to see that from our He's Toronto hitting the shit out of the ball. He's got, uh, what, he leads baseball by a lot. He's four home runs ahead of uh, second place. So he is, he's, he's impressive. He might hit 50. And he lost a lot of weight, and that, that, that weight uh, loss is seemingly uh, working out just fine for him. Uh, anything else? Good. Uh, Max Scherzer's on the on the DL IL. Mm-hmm. He uh, hurt his groin. That's never good. Nope. 
Uh, Jacob DeGrom, he went six innings. Of course, didn't give up a run because he never does. And he uh, left that start early. So, he went, again, he's, he's your Cy Young and MVP in the National League if he stays healthy, which may not happen. Right. Again, his, his historic season, if he only throws 150 innings, you know, you like a little bit more than that. But if his ERA is, you know, .75, that's, that'd be amazing. So... A few weeks ago, the Twins catcher, Mitch Garver, got hit in the nuts. <laughs> and it appears he busted a nut. Oh, no. <laughs> it appears like there's not a whole lot of details. Well, I, 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 I assume like he is done for many months. It appears that he needed emergency surgery. Sound like he, a, a testicle in his sack. <laughs> Something happened, and it was bad. I don't know how... I didn't see it. I, I saw he got hurt. Like, of course, if you were a catcher, you were in a cup. Must have got him just right. Yep. But they didn't share too many details on him, but that appeared to be, based on how quiet things have been, a very significant injury for him. Well, of course, any guy, really. Come on. <laughs> and it's something you can't really rehab. It's like it either yep. hurts or it doesn't. Nope, you're going to have to just let that heal naturally. Can we get some, like, stronger cups uh, for athletes here, that shouldn't Something. happen. Something. I mean, come on. Like this is, get. It, I don't know. Get it. Uh, steel. I don't know. Just do something. Like that's. I feel like if it's there, it should. It should do its job. Yeah. Even the ball should be impenetrable to your nutsack. Yeah. So. If you're not going to be an athlete, uh, be an athletic supporter. But even an athletic supporter is having a hard time. It's a hard go at it. Yeah. Yeah, and one of your one of your favorite players, Sacken, just got released uh, today. In baseball, yes. One of my favorite players here. Obviously, that was a sarcastic <laughs> remark. So, um, hmm, who was it? Wilson Ramos. Ah. Talk about twins, the catcher who they traded away eleven years ago for whoever the hell. <laughs> uh, he's still kicking and he signed with Detroit and he got off to a really good start at six home runs early but he's been injured and he's only hitting 200 so they released him today so we, we will see if Wilson Ramos maybe you know 33 years old now will be 34 in August uh, we'll see if he pops up anywhere indeed any other baseball notes should be it we're still alive in this uh, in the fantasy baseball thing where one team is oh, gone every team 10 days or so. We finished, uh, what was it, uh, second to last? We weren't last, and we weren't second to last. We were the next spot. So that was my first week of, you know, kind of in the danger zone. We've eliminated four teams. We've got nine left. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting third after one day, so I feel good that I should make it here. But, uh, yeah, it's... Very exciting once you get down there, and I pretty much blew all of my available free agent money. Uh-oh. Uh, it was, it was, you get $1,000 to pick up free agents, mm-hmm. and I blew 600 of it on Garrett Cole. Oh. And his first start was not very good there a week or so ago, but then he played the Twins, and he was fine. <laughs> well, I've got him, and, you know, you feel like uh, I got him. I got Matt Scherzer, who's hurt right now, but been very good. But I haven't played him a lot in this league because there's been a situation where he's only started once over a 10-day period, and I've had another pitcher who's not quite as good, but that pitcher has two starts for that week. So do you start 
Max Scherzer once or a worse pitcher twice. And this is a points-based league. You get a certain number of points, like fantasy football. And most times I've, I've sat Max Scherzer, and most of the time it hasn't worked. So, well, that's... I feel like I've, I've, I've got Max Scherzer if he's healthy. I've got Derek Cole if he's good. I feel like, you know, those two guys, I feel like I've got a good... Good, good top two in the rotation because I don't have much money to spend. My offense has been good all year. I haven't added much to that. So my offense was really good. I needed to add to my pitching. So I went went all out with him. Well, I wish you the best of luck here as you continue your guillotine league. Uh, yes. Very good stuff. Yeah, we, we should do that with, with fantasy football. We, uh, I've, I've thought about that. It's, it's... <clears throat> give again, like no money involved. Like test you, me, everybody else. You know, try it out. Everybody, it we need to get you know certain amount. I don't know if you go sixteen guys or whatever. 10, 10, 10 Come up with ten people. Mm-hmm. Just Maybe to... I'll do that. I don't know how you do that. But yeah. That's a, a setting somewhere where that, that happens. I think you almost have to do it in like a specific league, but maybe not. Manually, maybe. almost. You know, uh, this team's out. You have to release all of their players. Because mm-hmm. the most exciting thing is, you know, see what players are available each week. Right. To uh, to be picked up. So. Yeah, I think it's something to look at. Yeah, I've, I've. Uh, it's just not something I really want to throw a lot of money at right now. Until no, because because yeah, because and you would do at least. I don't know, maybe the first, maybe do every two weeks, maybe do something like that. Yeah, yeah, it would, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly something that's new, but it seems like it's very, very popular amongst the people. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a complicated guy, apparently, uh, according to, I don't know where this thing is going, but I I feel like it's inevitable that they're going to come to some sort of reconciliation and agreement, at least for this year, but... The longer it goes, it just seems like the Packers, Mark Murphy, can't get out of his way from saying something stupid like calling Aaron Rodgers a complicated guy. Aaron Rodgers doesn't give a shit at all. He's like, this is, I mean, it's, I don't know. This is a situation very weird. And welcome back to the Minnesota Vikings, Sheldon Richardson. We're looking at the Vikings defense now. You got, uh... Yeah, I mean, you got Michael Pierce, you got Sheldon Richardson, you got Lincoln, uh, you know, uh, Tomlinson. Tomlinson. Yeah, or, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, not Lincoln. Uh, Dalvin sure, Tomlinson. As, as your defensive tackles, that is incredible. What I mean, very few teams can go three deep at defensive tackle the way the Vikings can now, which is great. Daniel Hunter reworked his deal, so hopefully he's there for the foreseeable future. Uh, this I, I'm very I'm just feeling very optimistic with this Viking defense and stuff. I think the Vikings can do a lot of good things this year now. now Patrick Peterson, see how much he has left in the tank. They got yep. the you know guy from Kansas City. We talked about him last week. Yep. Yep. Well, Jeff Gladney, he is he going to get suspended or what did he do? I God, I think he's going to get suspended. And I think that's in part why they've been so aggressive on the corner market is because yeah, they don't think Gladney's going to get suspended. It was him and the other guy. Oh, Cam Dantzler, he, he's good. Cam Dantzler's fantastic, yeah. Who was the other guy that wasn't any good? You had Cam Dantzler who was good. Oh, they'd like any name any cornerback. There that they they had. got rid of Mike Hughes because he's hurt and he wasn't any good. Yep, Hughes is with the Chiefs now, so the Chiefs Vikings. Uh, I guess you just Jeff Glanny was the other guy who was like the first round pick, but he was Cam Danzler, the second rounder, was actually better than Jeff Gladney. So. Yes, and Gladney wasn't terrible, and he's not terrible. <laughs> but 
Can you imagine if they would have gone Winfield Jr. there in the first round? And then yeah, like, who's their safety? Who they, who they, they've got uh, Harrison Xavier, Smith, who's at safety. Xavier Woods, who they got. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not excited about that. He's, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. You, so, they got him. A lot of depth. Feels like they've got some depth. So, when guys get hurt, so they've got depth. Mm-hmm. It, it's, you know, they should be good. Every other year thing, but I... They should be good, you know. If you know, you got Aaron Rodgers. If he's back, Green Bay is going to be there. Detroit, you can dismiss them. Mm-hmm. And you know, Chicago, you never know. Chicago could be fucking eight and eight, or they could be twelve and four. You never know. Right. So, and again, you just look at the NFC. Like it doesn't seem tough. Well, like Tampa Bay just fucking put together a team and just won it. The Rams are going to be the team this year. I think that gives everyone a run for their money. The Rams. Everybody likes the Rams. Yeah. Kyler Murray says he doesn't want to run as much this year. That makes me hesitant on keeping him in my uh, one fantasy league, but we'll see if maybe we try try just one more year with him and, and see how it goes. But uh, the Cardinals should be good. The 49ers are good. Seahawks, I don't think so. Like that entire division, like any of those teams, could make the playoffs. Like that, that, right, right. Is that the best division in football, that one right there, the yes. NFC West? Yes, not even a – I would say the West in general has the best football between the NFC and the AFC West. Yeah. So like every single team is good. Yep. Yep. I I agree. I think, and honestly, I would make a. I think you could make a case that the third best division, the AFC North. <clears throat> yeah, Cleveland should be good. Baltimore should be good. Pittsburgh Bengals should be better. Yeah. Pittsburgh people don't like Pittsburgh, but don't be in the mix. I mean, they were. What, 13 and 0 for yep. a time, whether that was. I, I think. People the, didn't take them seriously, but they were still 13 and 0. I think so. the AFC East should be taken a little more seriously with Buffalo and New England's going to rebound this year. Miami should take another step forward. So that's very interesting how things are going to pan out here. A um, lot of, have you heard this? What? Do, do a lot of people like Washington? I don't know. I don't think have so. Have you heard that at all? I've I, heard, I've heard no. people. Like they've got Ryan, uh, what Fitzpatrick? Yep, yep. They've so got him, and you know he usually does well wherever he goes. Yes. Um, I don't know who they have besides him, what Taylor Heineke or whoever else. I think it's yeah, Taylor Heineke and uh... I think they did. They did somehow. They were the division winners last year. Yep. Which isn't worth much, but that was. I, well, think, I think Dallas or the Giants are the are coming out. Dallas, of the East. I say, I mean, Dallas should win that division if everybody's healthy. Yep. But, yeah, we'll see. We will. We'll, we'll talk more uh, NFL as we get closer here to the start of the season, which is about three months away. Do we need to talk any other sports before we get to this next big thing? This next big thing? Oh, boy. Um, not really sports, no. We okay. just got the basketball. Yep. Yeah, baseball. Yeah. It's All right. Middle of June. Middle of June. Yep. Not, so not a lot going on. So now we need to get to what I said I would start bringing up here on a weekly basis. And that oh, is cereal. the cereal. We're going to go through alphabetically Very excited. Very excited. the present, uh, like, cereals that are just presently being made. Not ones that were, like, made in, the, in 2013 or something that were available there. We're just going to go present here. And I want to see which cereals that you would eat so we're just gonna go this can I, can I tell you what's in my cupboard right now yeah yes please please what what is in the cupboard crispex oh okay rice rice krispies okay 
Honey Nut Cheerios. All right. Multigrain Cheerios and Wheaties. Do you ever uh, like combine multiple kinds, or are you, are you all just always separate? Always separate. Always separate. Okay. There's Raisin Bran, which is okay. Uh, we tried Honey Nut Frosted Flakes, Ew. which I figured I figured they'd be good. I'd be wrong, Zach, and they were not very good. So they're in the back, be waiting to be thrown away at any point. So. <laughs> I think Honey I, Nut Frosted Flakes, again, one of those different ones that I tried. I like Frosted Flakes. I like Honey Nut Cheerios. Mm-hmm. I not like fucking Honey Nuts Frosted Flakes. All right. So let's get to this here. We're going to start with all bran made by Kellogg's. Will you eat all bran? Is that something in the uh, Travis Crin's cereal rotation? I don't think I've ever eaten it. That's a lot of flakes, isn't it? Uh, I would guess so, yes. All brand, Kellogg's all brand cereal. No, I have not. Would I eat it? Well, yeah, like, is it? I'm just. Uh, how do you. Well, I, I guess, how can we do this? Like, if, 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 I name you a, if I name you a cereal, are, is this going to be in the Travis Crin's rotation? No, no, this looks like fucking. <sighs> this looks like the, the hard noodles you put on your Chinese food. What are those called? Uh, the wonton, no, um, the, the, oh, the, like, just the noodles, um. Those dry, those dry yes. noodle things you sometimes put on rice Ch- or Chinese Chinese noodles or something like that. Yeah, that, that, that is what this looks like. Um, no, I, this is something, no, all brand, thumbs down. Okay, all right. How about Apple Jacks? It's not in my rotation, no, but I have no problems with them. Okay, so can I put a... Uh, so maybe I'll put so so on that. Like it, it's something that I don't buy. It's something that I don't don't eat. But I've had them. I don't have any prior to a perfectly acceptable cereal to me. Uh, kind of like Fruit Loops, I guess. They look like you know Fruit Loops. Um. So yeah, uh, if in the middle, like I, I have nothing against them, but I'm well, I'm not buying. Them. Okay. Now, some of these I have never heard of, so I can't give you any details on them. Apple Raisin Crisp. Again, another Kellogg's one. No, no. (laughs) Like crisp, you say crisp. Apple Raisin Crisp. No, that is, I would, no, this is something that, there's a website out there called MrBreakfast.com. Ah, okay. Um, Apple Raisin Crisp. No, this, uh, this is, I have not heard of this. How about Apple Zings by Multo Meal? Apple Zings. Again, I've never, yeah, I, 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 I've never heard of this cereal. So this is the, this is a no for me. This is the uh, generic brand of Apple Jacks. This is the in the big bags. This is their knockoff of Apple Jacks. Apple Zings. Okay. How about Aquaman by Funko? Get the fuck out! Get the I don't fuck know out. what that is. I'm just—I have no idea what it is. By who? By Funko. F-U-N-K-O. Do you know what Funkos are? I know. Funkos are like these little dolls. They're like I don't know, four inches high. I don't know. I have no idea why they are a thing. Ak, oh, fuck that. Ak, no, no, <laughs> uh, no. That's a. All the right. Thumbs down yet. Okay. How about Autumn O's by Kellogg's? Autumn. Autumn, like the season, and then O's. O's. 
No, I've never heard of those. Autumn O's. No. Okay. Then finally, Avengers by Kellogg's. No. Avengers cereal. No, what the fuck does that even look like? Avengers cereal, Jesus Christ. (laughs) What are these? I don't even fucking know. Okay, so... I look at these little bits of fucking things who they have shapes of shit that no. Okay. So, through one week, we were just doing A this week, I presented to you seven different cereals, and we didn't get a yes on any of them, but we got a so-so, like you'll eat Apple Jack, so I'm counting that one. So, out of all the current cereals that are available that start with A, only Apple Jacks even remotely gets to that list. Yeah. I give their apple. Like I should, you know, maybe uh, I should try that apple jacks. Or I've not had them much. They could be perfectly fine. They All are. right. Next week, bees. So uh, we bees. Got... I'm excited for the seeds. I feel like there's a lot of you no know, seeds. Captain Crunch. Yes. You know, depending on your Cheerios, how deep. I think there's at least ten different types of Cheerios. How deep you want to go in there? Holy shit! Corn, there are a lot of Cheerios. Flakes. Yeah. There seeds, seeds, and cinnamon toast crunch get fucked. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of ways we can go with the seeds. The yeah. bees, nothing comes to mind much with the bees. Yeah, no, there are a ton of seeds. We might have to limit this or make it a multi. We have to do just bees and seeds. Yeah, I don't know. The the seeds, maybe we'll do half seeds one week, or maybe I'll just, maybe we'll just all go. Uh, you know, maybe I'll like Cheerios. I'm just looking at this right now, and there's at least two dozen different kinds. Same thing. I with like chips. I like this experiment because Apple Jacks. Again, I don't buy it, but it's something that next time I go, yeah. When we're done with this, mm-hmm. at some point, you can present me with the list of all right. These are the cereals. Yep. That, that you like, and these are the cereals that maybe I'm okay with that I haven't tried. Yep. In a long time, that I should pick up. Yep. And put it in my location. Yep. Absolutely. I am just going to look now at the J's quick just to see if that, that one nasty-ass cereal is on there. Uh, Jay's. The J's. Well, that's interesting. that Because you said there was a Jolly Rancher cereal, right? Yes. Hmm. I don't see that on this list. So Jolly Rancher cereal. Who makes this shit? Got to be Kellogg's. Is Jolly Rancher cereal healthy? Fuck you. <laughs> no. Absolutely. It's uh, General Mills. General Mills mm. makes Jolly Rancher cereal. It looks like the berries kind of in uh, Captain Crunch. Okay. A little more oblong. But, you know, Jolly Ranchers are fine. I can't imagine what the fuck that would taste like. What I wish they would make... I wish they would make me little boxes of all of these weird things so I could buy it. Mm, like a sample pack. Like you, 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 you have those in the stores of the normal cereals, but I never bought those because that's one of those boxes that I'm big enough for a fucking bowl of cereal. So what the fuck am I going to do with four scoops of Frosted Flakes? Mm-hmm. Like, give me something something that I want. Here's, here's uh, Walmart on Walmart.com, the Jolly Rancher cereal. One of the reviews. No one in the house liked it. It does kind of taste like Jolly Ranchers, but the aftertaste and smell, not so great. Hmm. So. Did you do? Did you present this list to me? I'm looking at this. Uh, Ranker.com has the, uh, yeah. the the best breakfast cereals of all time. 
Maybe we went through a couple lists last time. Yep. Uh, so this one has cinnamon toast crunch number one all time. I am not. Yeah. I'm not opposed to that. Frosted flakes is two. Okay. Honey nut Cheerios is three. Then you get Lucky Charms at four. Fruit Loops at five. Fruity Pebbles at six. Captain Crunch at seven. Captain Crunch uh, Crunch Berries at eight. Cocoa Puffs at nine and Reese's Puffs at ten. Like that's not a. Uh, not terrible. No, that's not. Um, a, that's, you that's, know, Cocoa Puffs and I don't know if that seems like I an mean, remotely, like, decent list. Yeah, you can vote on this. Um, I'm intrigued by Reese's Puffs. Um, no, Apple Jacks is 12th. Corn Pops is 13th. Uh, Rice Krispies, 18th. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, what, what I'm, I'm looking at when, when, once the, uh, the, the no votes outweigh the yes votes. Mm-hmm. You gotta go down to number twenty-six, life cereal, which I've never had. You gotta go down to twenty-six to where the no votes outweigh the yes votes. Really? Well, that's uh, Mikey oh. likes it. Hey, Mikey. See, he's in there. He got cornflakes, which I, I mean, you know, I can understand. Cornflakes, pretty fucking blank. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Special K. It's kind of like Rice Krispies in a flake form. Mm-hmm. I like those. Um, you know, you go down the list here. Chris, I mean, Crispix, I, I think, I don't know if I overrate Crispix. I like Crispix more than the average guy, and that's only at 42nd. So, you know, I'm, I'm higher on them than most. They got this Oreo cereal at 43. That's just fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and Grape Nuts at 48, quite frankly, at that, that shouldn't even be on the list. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that is, but it, it's, it's terrible. Whatever it is, it sucks. So this might this list that we're gonna go through each week might not have all of the um, all of the the active cereals, but at least a, a decent portion of them, and we'll combine uh, some weeks here. Um, so look forward to that over the next uh, I do. that next few months or so. So next week we're gonna go with the bees, and there's a decent number of them on there. So if, if you look, you know, I went to the next poll, I guess, on this uh, website. Yes. Yep. And it's the worst cereals of all time. Oh. Something called, I think I've heard of these Crunchy Logs. That's a bad name for one. <laughs> and the mascot is a beaver. So Crunchy Logs, bad idea, bad name, and it probably didn't taste any good. So very obscure cereals. Oh, OJ's. OJ's, this is an orange cereal. I can't, I, no, that's bad. And it probably comes with it. Hey, you know what, Crins, that is? Is that a serial killer? Jesus, you're just killing us. <laughs> yeah, like orange. Uh, OJ Simpson cereal bad. Like Ooh. orange. You don't see any orange cereals for good reason. Orange and milk doesn't mix. No. C- certain things do not mix. And a lot of these cereals, like, nobody's ever heard of. I'm very surprised. Oops All Berries is 49th on the. As am I. I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it, so I like that. But I assume people like that a lot more. O's. Like, who's ever heard of O's? That's ridiculous. Yeah. A lot of weird shit out there. Indeed. Indeed. Did you have an O, like a weird cereal of the week? Were you going to bring that up here? Oh, no. Okay. I still haven't gotten to the. I don't know. This is like I do this just taking pictures of the cereals. Mm-hmm. We got to go to Walmart and do that. I don't know if I should. Yeah, take take list of the stupid ones. I mean, take a list of you know the the ones I'm interested in that I haven't tried. 
But I also don't want to buy a big box of cereal that I'm not going to like. So right, you got to try it before you know if you like it. But if you don't like it, I'm like, well, I don't like like the honey nut, uh, honey nut frosted flakes. So like, it just it's it's not like good as I thought it would be. Right, right. All right, very good. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, the the fruit. This is something I rarely find. Uh, fruity honey nut Cheerios, kind of like uh, Fruit Loops, not as big. But mm-hmm. these were just tremendous, and I we found them at a Walmart. It's the only place we found it. High V, I think, is the only place. Oh. Uh, so when I find them, I buy three or four boxes because I've never seen them anywhere. Fruity Cheerios, and they are good. I like the multi-grain Cheerios, just a little sweet. It's not plain Cheerios, which I don't care for because they're too plain. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, you know, honey nut Cheerios are pretty sweet. Um, so yeah, it's fruity, uh, fruity ones. Those are those are solid. All right, very good, very good. Anything else we need to get to then for the week? Which would be it. We, right. we talked a lot of cereal again, and I feel like we'll talk more cereal next week. I think we will. I think we'll talk a lot of cereal here over the upcoming weeks. But uh, stay cool, th- uh, especially tomorrow. Hopefully the sunburn goes away, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. We're having large one of these Viking blocks for supper. Viking, yeah, the Viking uh, beef hot dogs, I guess. The official hot dog of the Vikings. Wow. Same great hot dog you get at the stadium, of course. I'm not buying any of that at the stadium. But uh, it's a big fucking hot dog. A quarter pound beef hot dog. So we got Should be good. Um, so that's what we're having there. Very good. Very good. Well, uh, you and Melissa have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, we'll see you later. Travis Crins joining me here, Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time, and yes, the cereal talk. We're we're getting into the cereal discussion here. Uh, so far, Apple Jacks, the only one that might go into the rotation again. Now, this list I'm seeing might not have everything. Like, it didn't have the Jolly Ranchers there, but but we'll, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. We'll tackle uh, a couple different letters, maybe some weeks, other weeks not. Yeah. We'll see. It's a good way to break things up here over the summer. So uh, we'll, we'll continue to talk here about the college football playoff. I'm going to bring Charlie Hildebrand on uh, to talk about this expansion. We'll see if Marcus can come on to talk about um, some hockey and soccer. If not, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it and wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. That's coming up next here. Uh, podcast available on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Travis Crins at Travis Crins, Facebook Nathan Stacken. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. But coming up, the college football playoff is likely expanding. A resident college football expert with his thoughts on that expansion. Does he like it? What's what? What are some downfalls to it? Talk about it all next with Charlie Hildebrand. Coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast. Now available on podcast.com. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, and a familiar voice, a familiar friend, rejoins us here now on the Sports Block Podcast. First time, I think, since January when Alabama annihilated Ohio State for the national championship game. We reacted to it. It's uh, my good friend from the Northwest Iowa Review. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Charlie Hildebrand here. The prodigal son returns. There. That is correct, Stack, and you were right on the name of the, oh, uh, very the newspaper good. I worked for. Very, very good. I didn't want to get it uh, messed up, so I'm glad I got it right. Uh, how you been? How, are you surviving this heat? This heat makes me long for fall, and that and fall means football. 
That's right, yeah. It'll be, fall will be better in a lot of ways. It's, we've maybe talked about this before. It's funny how when you're a kid, summer's the best. Yep. And then once you get out of high school and college and you get a few years, you're like, oh, wait, summer's not my favorite month or my favorite season anymore because it's so hot. I have to work all the summer now. I don't get summers off. Exactly, exactly. And then that means you kind of, you know, what's your favorite sport? Well, it's football. Uh, the temperatures are better in the fall. It's just all around. Fall's a better better time. So uh, thank you for coming on here as always. And, uh, I mean, the big news. There must be some college football news if I'm on here well, in, I mean, in June. You are always welcome to come on whenever. But, yes, there is big college football news to discuss. And that would be the uh, college football playoff expanding more than likely. Not, I guess, not official, but it would. It seems very likely that they are going to go to twelve teams. And so, just uh, right off the bat here, your reaction to this news on a twelve-team college football playoff? I was surprised that they're expanding so soon. I think it was. It was always in the cards that they were going to expand at some point, but I know that I don't remember when the contract they have is up. It's in a few years. I thought that's when they would expand. Yep. So it's sooner than I thought, and I also it went further than I thought too. I thought they would most likely go to eight, maybe even go to like six to start with, but they jumped past that and gone to twelve. Which I I think we've talked about this before, maybe. I'm apprehensive some about, but not to the degree that I used to be. I think at the end of the day, the postseason will still be fun. It's going to be fun, even with more teams, there will be more fun. It'll be, you know, it'll be more fun. There will be more teams involved. A lot of teams won't, you know, pack it up and be sad as early. But I think it will also change the regular season, and there will be a lot of regular season games that we used to get excited about that we won't care about because it'll be like, well, they're both nine and two. So they're probably they're well, more like we're both eight and three. They're not going to get in. So we don't care about this game now. I have heard from the flip side that it will mean more meaningful games in November because you have more teams that have two or three losses that could still be in the mix. What do you say to though, to that argument? I think it's, it's true both ways to a degree. I think the number there will be more quantity of meaningful games, but I think the quality of them will be lower, if that makes sense. Yep. Is that there will be a lot of games will be like, oh, yeah, they've got a chance to get in, but you'll be like, well, but they're going to be a 10 seed. While they certainly have a chance, they're maybe not as likely. What we are not going to get, and I don't even know, I don't think we even had this once they expanded to a four for the 14 playoff. Yep. But we're basically never again probably going to have the uh, – the Alabama-Auburn kick six, where it's just like, oh, that changed everything, and he won play at the end, and they're done now and eliminated. Yep. And it's both good and bad. It's good that if you're a good team who's, you know, fifth, you still get a chance, or sixth or seventh, you know, a weird loss in October isn't necessarily going to end your season, even if it's your second loss now. But the other side is that, in one thing that's kind of switched, you know, once we got to four teams and there's good and bad things with everything, one thing I don't love, and I think it's going to be even more so going forward, is that whenever anyone loses, it's just, well, this loss doesn't matter as long as they keep winning. And that's one thing I liked about college football when we would have been in, like, middle school and high school, is that having a loss was a really big deal. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's still a big deal, but not to the same degree. Although the flip side is that you could always... 
you're not fighting just to get in. You're fighting for a home field advantage like the NFL playoffs then. And getting a bye week or having a home game instead of an away game in the opening round is a big deal. Especially for teams of the conference that we probably care the most about. That, mm-hmm. you know, if for whatever reason, and probably not this fall or the next fall, but if five years from now Nebraska or Minnesota is hosting a, uh, an opening round playoff game against Miami, you would think like, oh, wow, that's good that, you know, the cold is probably going to affect this Southern team much more than it will right. a Big Ten team. And you actually get a home field advantage in December that would mean something where all those years you would have Big Ten teams or Big Eight teams when Nebraska was still in the Big Eight. Yep. Um, going to, you know, playing Miami in the Orange Bowl. That's like, well, this is a huge advantage for you guys. So, yeah, I mean, in this close game, it makes sense that you would win. And so I, I do like that. I think I've been talking for a minute. I will let you off. No, it's, it's good. You're good. You're good. Keep keep going. The the other thing I was going to add, um, I got so worried about talking so much, <laughs> I forgot what it was. It'll come back to me in a minute here, but. So I guess what I so I'll let you regain your 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 thought here. I guess you know. So looking at this, it sounds like you know it's not going to be this this expansion, assuming it happens. And I would think it's a ninety nine percent certainty at minimum that it's going to. Pass. Yeah, they wouldn't have leaked it if they didn't think it was going to go forward like this. Right. Uh, it doesn't and, sound like okay. And I remember what yes. I was going to say this isn't a huge point, but just a quick thing. Yep. I do wish, so from my understanding, you know, it's the, the top four conference champions, whether they're from Power 5 schools or not, the top four conference champs are going to get buys. Yes. And then the other eight teams are going to play in the opening round. Yes. And it's only those games that are going to be at home sites, though. I do wish it was the next round that was also at home sites instead of just the one round. Yeah. I would have liked that more. Maybe even all of them up to the national title game being at home sites. I don't know if... Excuse me, if I'm, I'm trying, I haven't... I mean, I've looked at it, but I haven't looked at it in terms of how a bracket played the conclusion would look. Yep. But I believe there will be four rounds then, because if you go the first eight, then you'll have... Then, then it goes to the eight quarters. Eight in the second and the round, yep. and then four in the third round, and then the national title would be the quote-unquote fourth round. Then. Yep, yep. So they're going to have three rounds at neutral sites, and I just... I think you can make it so, like, hey, we're going to do one neutral site game and, you know, the national title and get a whole bunch of people for. I think it's really going to be hard to sell out those second-round games and maybe even the semifinal games when they're all going to be different locations and being like, oh, hey, you know, you just spent all these this long. And not to say that they'll be desolate. I think, you know, they might only be half full instead of, you know, full stadiums. But... I, I do wish that they were there were more home round contests. Yeah, and to and to your point, so like th- this whole expansion thing is going to it, it won't be this year, it won't be next year, but p- possibly here two years after this. So not this season, not that, not the next season. So I think twenty three, twenty four, I think is the first possible year in which we could see this. Um, I I guess my question with this. I mean, there was so much apprehension with getting rid of the BCS to begin with and just moving to four teams. And we're like, well, why are you just going with four? Let's go with a higher number to start. Four seems so 
I don't know, week, and they're like, oh, no, we got to see how it works out. And obviously, the college football playoff has been very successful. I mean, way back in the days of the radio show, Travis and I interviewed Bill Hancock when he was the, you know, the director of the BCS, and he was like, he was steadfast. That's true, I remember that. Yeah, he was steadfast against uh, a, a playoff, and now he's the executive director of the college football playoff. So it's amazing how... Things can shift and turn so rapidly. Obviously, seeing that hey, people like this playoff, they like the ratings. It just it it you determine more of a probably a true champion. But now I question with it going to twelve teams, like why the jump from four to twelve? Wouldn't four to eight make sense? Like you and I think we've maybe talked about this either on the on the podcast or on the sports lounge, um, uh, or the you know the Google chat. Uh, about maybe going to eight, taking the top six conference winners plus two at-larges. That would make, I think, a little more excitement versus this, which, again, you're taking the top six winners. And even, I guess, from what we were saying about the top six conference winners, but you take the top five and then an at-large, like the the non-power five school that finishes the best. You give them an automatic berth, and then you get the other, like, two other at-larges in there. That seems to me like it would make far more sense to do eight versus the top six conference finishers and then six at-large teams. I would agree with that. I we can do, I don't know if you want to do this now or not at all or later, but we could do what Charlie's perfect playoff scenario would be but Please go for ultimately it. If, if we're gonna if we're gonna move past four i would agree that i think eight would be better i i don't hate what they're doing now but the, the ultimately i don't know if i care about the team that is as, let's assume that most years there will be one group of five champion in there yep and maybe not every year but let's assume most years in the 12 team format they have now I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, but whoever the next highest power five team would be, you know, ranked 11th or 12th, I don't know if I really care about the 11th or 12th team getting a shot. I mean, I'm not saying there are chances that some of those teams could win. You know, I think last year, I mean, you start talking about, like, Coastal Carolina. Uh, Auburn or, like, Iowa State last year. Who I mean, they were good last year, but I don't know if I would be like, oh, no, this is so... The injustice of this team not getting the chance just doesn't right. ring high for me. Yep. Now, the upside with 12 is that there are – and it's always weird with the group of five teams because a lot of them don't play power five teams in the regular season or don't play a really good team, at least, in the regular season. They're undefeated, they don't get in, and then they play a pretty good power five team in a bowl game, and then that kind of shows how good they are. As we've seen, you know, like the – the UCF team from yes. a few years ago. There have been, you know, Boise State and Utah teams before they joined the Pac-12 yep. and things like that. That you would. The upside is that I think teams like that are going to have a much better shot, especially if they're undefeated. Now, you know, you start talking about two-loss group of five teams. I don't know if they're going to get in, even if they are conference champs. But a lot of those teams will have a chance. And, you know, I think some of them probably will not perform well, but I think you know I don't know if any of them will win a national title anytime soon. But I'm sure there will be at least one within the first five years that if they don't win at least one game, might even win two games and become you know the college basketball equivalent of a 13 seed making the Sweet 16. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I agree. I think last year the Pac-12 wouldn't have gotten in if we were doing this 
top 12. See, so yeah, I think like a team like Coastal Carolina would have jumped in from the Sun Belt, which is great. I mean, this almost also seems like it's a foregone conclusion that we're going to see Notre Dame in the playoff almost every year uh, just because of the, the schedule that they have. So the other side thing with that, too, though, is that Notre Dame or BYU, since they are not in conferences, aren't ever going to get a bye in the first round either. They won't be in the top four because they won't be conference champs. So they will always have to play a first round game if they make it. So I guess the best they can get is five. Which I kind of like that because I remember, uh, especially the BCS when that first started, you know, which I think the first year of the BCS was when I was in seventh grade, if I remember right. But there were like two or three exceptions they had for Notre Dame, and I always never really liked that. So I kind of like that they are not doing that now. And it's just like, nope, sorry. You're not in a conference, you can get in, but you're ultimately still kind of like a lot of the group of schools in a way now. Yep. Uh, so if I apologize if I missed it then so your your playoff proposal then for a 12 team like what what is your ultimate solution that or like what what do you think I, I'll best? try to give you the cliff notes version without droning on and rambling too long my ideal one would still have the college football playoff committee but there would basically be structures in place that would change how many teams get in each year based off how the regular season and conference title games went. Okay. So basically, if there were four undefeated teams, then it would be a four-team playoff. If there were only two undefeated teams, it would be a two-team playoff. I, uh, if there was only one undefeated team, then you, that's where the playoff committee would come in. Because I wouldn't just give you the national champion championship if there's only a one undefeated team. It would be like, all right, well, maybe there will be three, maybe there will be, or maybe it'll be, it might be a four-team, it might be a 16 playoff, depending on how many teams they think are worthy. But basically, if you're undefeated, you would get into the playoff regardless. So that would be my way of allowing the group of five teams to get in there, but also trying to preserve, like, oh, you went, 12 and 0 so that deserves to get in and is a big deal as opposed to like well we just kind of want you to get in because we think you're good even though you may be lost to the best team you played this year sure sure uh, you know, it would be a little more complicated than that but, but basically that's the cliff notes version okay. is that we just be like all right yeah if there's six undefeated teams which i think you start talking about group of five teams too like there's years where that does happen and it just be like all right well all six of them are going to get in that and have right. a shot Yep. So, so yours would vary by year, which I like. There's a little. Yeah. You have, you have no idea that it's it's uncertain how many teams would get into the playoff in a given year. I like that. I like yeah, that because I think at the end of the day, it's just college football is so much more unwieldy than other sports. Because yeah. I mean, even though there's more college basketball teams, you can play more than one game in a week. You can't play three football games in a right. week without having three quarters of your roster injured then. And if there's just some years, you know, there's years like I, I'm not saying, I, I don't remember what everyone's record off the top of my head was this past year. But I think Ohio State and Clemson and Alabama were probably the three best teams mm-hmm. uh, talent-wise. Although now I remember Clemson did lose to Notre Dame in the regular season. But, but I think there's years where you really only need two or three teams in. And there are other years. You start talking about weird years, like 2007, um, where it's just like, yeah, we probably could have used eight teams that year because it was really weird. 
again. I, that's that's what I would want. But I think the odds of that happening are lower than people thought a college football playoff 30 years ago was. Right. Yeah, and everyone will like the BCS at the time, and then we're like, no, we need a playoff to determine a national champion. I'm just As humans were never happy with anything, Zach, right. and we always want to make things better, even if we accidentally make it worse in the process. That's very true. Very, very true. Um, I, as I'm looking at this, you know, I see some arguments being made about, oh, you're going to make you know teams potentially play three or four more games in a year. Oh, wham, wham. Well, you know what? Why is that? that why isn't that argument made? with the FCS at with these FCS teams and at the FCS level because these guys play in a 24 team playoff and theoretically you could have a team playing in the first round play five games to get to the national championship. I mean that's no one mentions that regarding the FCS. Like the FCS has figured this out and no one bats an eye. Why is this such a big it's, deal? You're at the right, FBS but there's, there's another thing to point with that, too, though. Is if I remember right, I think FCS teams usually only play 11 regular season true. games. True. Yes. Yep, that's and, very true. And do not play conference title games. Correct. Where, yep. and, and, and certainly not, right? I guess every, I think every conference does not have a conference championship game. But not everyone necessarily plays it. So you wouldn't necessarily play, but you could be 13-0 before you've even played they're not 13, no. They've played 13 games sure. in FBS football before the playoffs even start. But sure. to your point, when you start talking about five teams, it's only going to be one or two teams potentially playing five. Right. Because most aren't going to make it. It would only be two in the last game. You start talking about teams with buys, I would imagine, as I don't know how long it's going to be 12, but if they're going to expand it more. But I'm sure there will be plenty of years where there might not be or there might be two teams that didn't have buys playing in the national title game. But I think most years it's going to be one of those top four seeds. Or probably both teams will be in the top four seeds. I agree. Uh, going in there. Now, maybe not. That's the other thing is, you know, when, when they expanded the college uh, basketball tournament mm-hmm. to 64 teams, you know, I don't know then because I think it was when it was in the mid-80s. So we were either not born or just barely born. That happened. But I would imagine there are people then that are just like, oh well, it's just going to be it's just going to be three number one seeds every year that make it one two seed. Right. But yeah, there's a lot of times it works out that way. But there's also weird years where it doesn't. Also. Right. Yep. Like a year that you know, like George Mason, an eleven seed makes it. Uh, VCU. Uh, I mean, we've seen yeah, we've seen countless other VCU and Butler both making yes. the final four in the same year. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, so. It does happen. I think it would be a little more difficult on the college football playoff side. So, like, if we're looking at this as a 12-team deal here, we're going to get more than likely the Power Five, and then you get the non, then the the group of five, which I can't imagine would be a school from the MAC or uh, the at Sun least not Bowl. very often. From no, the no, no, no. I think I'm trying to think just one through recent years in my head. Your guy uh, PJ Fleck at Western Michigan, I believe they were the top. Yes. Uh, group of five teams that year. Yep, Cotton Bowl. I think that might be the only time it's been a MAC team in the last decade, though. Yes, I can't recall any any other one. I mean, last year would have been Coastal Carolina, which is which is great. That's fun. That, that, that's cool to see. Yeah. I mean, the Mountain West can get but in. Yeah, more often than not, I think it's going to be the AAC or the Mountain West that would be the ones that would fill that role. Yeah. But, 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 you, you know, could like also you said, that's what we think now, but... 
you know, who knows going forward. All it takes is the right coach at the right school that likes it there. And, you know, all this, yep. you know, all of, I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head. But, you know, I don't remember who's good in Conference USA right now, but. Uh, no one. Uh, North Texas was fine, right? I mean, uh, yeah. Could... North, oh, North Texas just needs their version of Chris Peterson at Boise State. And all of a sudden, we're complaining that Northern or that North Texas has an automatic end of the playoff every single year because they're going to get the best group of five right. teams. Or isn't Butch Davis still at Florida International? I, th- I think he is. He might be. I don't remember. So, if we're looking at this, again, like... I guess you could get a non uh, like a group of five school in as an at large, which is great. I just wonder too on the on like how and, and not just could you. I mean, I think there would be years where it would happen. Yes, too, yes. Like absolutely. in the last ten years, because it's not it's not out of the ordinary to have a team ranked you know eleventh at the end of the regular season if they're twelve and zero, regardless of what conference. I wonder if the if the like how they they calculate the rankings or how they look at it are are going to change at all. But also, again, I just if you're taking six teams, are the six at large teams truly deserving? Like, I am all for like a conference of champions, like you know, to to take Bill Walton's uh, conference of champions talking about the Pac-12. But like, say, oh, we're making this tournament of the conference of champions, essentially, like taking all the champion, the conference champions, or at least the top six. And then again, I—that's why I think you do that in a couple of at large because then all these teams are like, okay, we only have two spots left. Like, who's going to get this spot here? Now you have six, and it opens the door for so much more teams. Like, you could—you have teams with other arguments that they could make. Like, it—it—it it, it just widens the pond a bit. And I also think it could water down the product a bit. Now, one team could catch lightning in a bottle and get hot, and you know. You know, be the 12th seed and make it to the national championship game. I mean, that would be a true Cinderella story. But I think overall, doesn't this... And I guess you could make the argument on the March Madness side as well. But with 12 teams in, does it diminish the college football playoff overall? Again, I think eight teams, and we I mentioned it earlier, eight teams just seems right. Do you think 12 diminishes it? I don't think it's going to diminish the playoff. I think it's going to diminish the regular season. Now. Yep. The biggest thing I remember, and I feel like such an old man now at 35 saying about back when I was a kid, you know, 18 years ago, how things work this way. But, I, like, I remember it, it was such a big deal when teams would be like, teams who usually didn't finish with winning records and go to bowl games. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, like for an example, I think it was like twenty twelve or thirteen or so. So not quite as far back as I thought, but you know, Colorado had been bad for a long time, and I think they had a ten and two regular season and then lost the Pac twelve title game, but still went to like a big bowl game, and it was like, oh hey, this is still fun. And I think what we're gonna miss now is that like. Not the what used to be the BCS bowls or the New Year Six bowls now, which I guess I don't know what we're going to call them now going forward. But like, uh, like Iowa State last year played Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl, and I think twelve years ago that would have been a huge deal. Yeah, and it was less of a big deal last year. I mean, around in this part of the country, in Northwest Iowa, you know, because there's a lot of Iowa State fans here. But 
nationally nobody cared because it's just kind of like, well, all we care about is the playoff now. And it's yeah. good and bad. I'm not saying that's wrong or it shouldn't be that way. I mean, that's probably the most important thing is who's the champion at the end of the year. But we're also missing out on, like, the bowl games like the Holiday Bowl or the Outback Bowl. I don't like, oh, hey, yep. you know, this isn't one of the seven or eight best bowls, but it's still kind of a big deal. Yep. It's just going to be less of a big deal going forward. And I think we've maybe talked about this before. Like, I used to be, like, a really big college basketball fan. Uh-huh. And I still like college basketball, but I don't pay attention now until, like, a week before the end of the regular season because it's just like, well – all the good teams I know are going to be in the tournament anyways. Sure. Yep. Like, I don't know. I, mean, I don't want to go with, I won't make this a super long story, but it changed for me. Uh, I think it was the 06, 07 season or somewhere around there when uh, Ohio State played Wisconsin in college basketball. They were number one and number two. And quite frankly, I mean, it was a close game. It wasn't a very entertaining game to watch. It was a Big Ten game in a negative way where it was like 41 to 39 was the final score or something like that. And the announcers after the game were freaking out about like, oh, what a great game. And I was like, (laughs) oh, that game sucked. I hated watching it. And then they said something like, and this could be a preview of both the Big Ten tournament and in the the, March Madness. In the final four or something like that. And that was when I realized like, oh, I watched this game and thought it was a big deal, but you know, it's not really going to matter two weeks from now. It could be act one. And I think the problem with college football is that could be what happens to college football for the regular season. At least the one thing that made college football different, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, was that the regular season was probably the most important and it was so much different than the other ones. Mm -hmm. And now college football is basically like every other college or professional sport. And it's both good and bad. I think it's going to be great for the playoffs, I'm sure they're going to get good ratings and everyone's going to care about that. But I don't think there's going to be, I think it's going to hurt the, you know, the second Saturday in October when Ohio State and Penn State are playing that used to be a great ratings thing. Mm-hmm. I bet it'll still be good ratings, but I don't think it's going to be the same as it was going forward. You or even if that's the same because they're both good, it'll be more like, maybe that's not a good example. I should take like a half step back. It'll be more like, Let's say, like, Auburn and... Florida. Like, yeah, Auburn and Florida, maybe, where it's like, yeah, I mean, they're good, but they're probably not going to win the national title this year, and, like, nah, they're not ranked in the top five. I don't know if I care. And I think that's that'll be the issue going forward. And, and like I said, I don't think it'll impact the postseason ratings, but I think the, the, uh, the regular season. To to counter like on the flip side of this whole like being me being against the twelve team expansion and again expansion is good I I'm not against expansion I'm just I, I'm a little hesitant to say I am for the expansion of four to twelve but are they expanding it in part because people are getting tired of Clemson Alabama Ohio State and either Oklahoma or Notre Dame maybe every once in a while you get an you know an outsider. Uh, an outside team other than those few teams in there? Like, has it gotten, has the college football playoff gotten stale with all of these teams that they needed to do this additional expansion? Not just like skip, by, not just by, like they, they're bypassing 8 to 12. Are they doing this in part to kind of freshen it up again just because 
people are getting tired of the same teams in there over and over and over again? I think they might have, but if they did that, that's part of the problem, though, is that if you only care about the national title in college football, it's basically been this way for the last 80 years. You know, occasionally teams like USC or Nebraska will fall back or fall forward. But it's usually there's only five or six teams that realistically have a shot at winning and going into the year. And that's what was good 20 years ago is that it wasn't only the national title that mattered. It was this other stuff. And, you know, the Rose Bowl mattered and, you know, mm-hmm. the Capital One Bowl mattered. And, oh, these two teams that usually go six and six or seven and five are 10 and two and they're playing and whoever wins is going to win 11 games. And that's a big deal. And that was what, that was also important. And like I said, I think that's not going to matter going forward. And it's only going to be who wins the national title. And like, yeah, I mean, there'll be more teams then. So I think that's good, Mm -hmm. but I don't think who, I think it's going to be the five teams you mentioned that are going to be playing in the national title or winning it almost every year. I mean, I I think the only other, I mean, I would add Georgia, and potentially sure. Florida. Yep. And I think we could probably, just with those teams, probably correctly pick nine out of the next 10 national champions. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, well, I, I mean, just to reiterate, like what you said, I mean, I think it's, if people are saying we're not in the playoffs, so we don't care, then yeah, I think you're going to have more teams care because they're going to get in. But I don't think they're going to be the teams that are going to win it, though. Like, as long as, yep. as, long as Nick Saban's at Alabama, I think they're going to be that's the other, this is why I didn't originally want teams to expand to four. This is going to be a little bit of a, a yesteryear callback thing. The way I would say this with Alabama now, it wasn't Alabama, it was USC then. Yep. But my thought was, if you expand it, all you're doing is giving Alabama or another team who maybe has an off year a chance to get hot and get in. And I think that's going to be a negative thing is that there have been years where Alabama, I think there's maybe only been one year they didn't make the college football playoff. I think it was the year LSU won it. And that was but you're, I, You know, maybe you didn't think the same way as me, but I remember thinking like, oh, wow, isn't this fun that Alabama's not in it? I love well, it. Alabama's no, I Alabama's going to be in it every year now. Yep. And even if they're at, at nine seed, yep. like I think we're all going to be like, well, shit, I think Alabama is probably going to, if they don't win it, there's probably a pretty good chance they're still going to make the title. Yeah, as long as Nick Saban is the head coach, absolutely. Yes, I loved it when Alabama didn't get in. I'm one of those guys that doesn't like like the the same team. Like, yes, I I I do like Clemson. Um, in, in there, I think Clemson's good. I haven't gotten tired of them yet, but that, that there will come a day where I will be. But yeah, like it's tiring to see Alabamas and the Oklahomas of the world in this day in and day out. And I think you alluded to this and, and mentioned it in part uh, that maybe the bowl season now gets watered down a little bit. Do you think bowl season then contracts a little bit with some of their games? Or the, is this just expanding? So now, like, instead of 80 eligible teams, we're going to get to, like, 88, 90 teams. Like, is this – how big is bowl season going to get now? I don't know if they're going to add more bowls. They might. I think they're not going to – I don't think they're going to get rid of very many, if any if only because the ones that get rid of are the ones that ESPN owns and just wants, wants those so they can say, like, hey, we still had 950,000 people watch the third-place Sunbelt team against the fourth-place conference USA team. Yeah. 
And what bowl would that be? The Boca Raton Bowl? The Who Gives a Shit Bowl? I don't, I don't remember which ones have both yeah. group of five teams yeah. off the top of my head. But yeah, it would be those ones that are the first the first five or six ones played. Like, those might be, but I don't... But I think they'll... Like, I don't think the Bulls are going to go away unless people just straight up stop watching them, which I guess that's possible. But... Yeah, I don't know. And I, well, one other thing, I, I, I mentioned that, you know, Alabama, you know, you just give them another shot, they're going to keep winning. Mm-hmm. I should say, like, not just Alabama. It's that way with the three teams I would say the most. It's with Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. Yeah. Is that all three of them you've given not just one, you've basically given them two get-out-of-jail-free cards. Yep. And they're just like, oh, yeah, well, of course we're still going to get in. And, you know, part of this is just the way college football works, that it's about programs and coaches more so than players in some ways because there's turnover and we don't remember who plays every spot for what team does turnover and things. But, you know, Ohio State could be ninth and it'd be like, well, yeah, we think – we think USC is better than Ohio State. And you'd be like, yeah, I'm pretty sure we still think Ohio State's going to win. Or Clemson. And I, and I just, I think that will be the downside. Is if, yep. if they did this with the thought like, oh, hey, there's more teams. So maybe it won't be just Alabama, Ohio State. I mean, there's a reason you can look back who's won the most national titles since 1950. Yeah. And it's like, other than Nebraska falling off the last 15 years, it's basically like, oh, wow, it's mostly the same teams that are really good right now. At least they would have to go play a couple more games, and something could happen. So it's not, it, it you don't get to the to the finish line quite as fast. So I guess in 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 total synopsis, in summary here, you are correct me if I'm wrong. You're for the you're for the expansion. You have some concerns, but mainly what you see is a diminished regular season. Like the the regular season loses importance in terms of an average game in say October. Is that correct? It's mostly correct. I would I wouldn't say I'm for expansion. I would say I'm okay with expansion. Okay. But I, I I think it's gonna make the playoffs more fun and it's gonna make the regular season less interesting. More so it's gonna make the regular season in September and October less interesting. Gotcha. I think okay. the last two yep. weeks of the regular season will be a big deal. But I think it's gonna be those late September, early October games that are gonna be the ones that we're just like, Yeah, you know what? I don't know if I care this week. Maybe I'm just gonna go on a date with my girlfriend instead. Right. Okay. All right. So that that's good. I wanna make sure there because I think I'm I'm kind of in the same boat with you. Okay. I, I I'm for expansion. I'm I'm for expansion from four. I don't know if I'm there at twelve. Um, I think maybe that's where you and I differ. Is that you would be fine with four? I'd I'd like the expansion. I think eight would have been the perfect number. But um, yeah, we'll see where it goes. While I have you here, just one last question on. And, and this is, I guess, garnered more towards college basketball because we see all these players in the transfer portal, and it's it's honestly it's destroying the the game of college basketball because you have these guys who are just you know who are committed to one school and then they just go somewhere else, and it seems like the big programs are are really um, you know just tearing up the, the smaller schools apart because they're getting these players who have very good seasons. It's understandable to want to transfer, but you should only be able to do it in certain circumstances, like if you're a graduate transfer or if your coach gets fired or something, or if you have a like a medical emergency, like a family emergency, you need, need to move closer to home. I think those are the, the three exceptions I would give for someone who's entering the transfer portal. 
On the college football side, are you concerned at all with how the transfer portal is going and does college football and therefore like the NCAA need to go in and do something to to change it, to rectify it, to, to stop it from further damaging college athletics? That's a good question. I, uh, I have mixed feelings about the transfer portal. I think it's hard to say, especially when it looks like we're going forward with name, image, and likeness stuff and athletes are going to be able to get paid because regular students can get paid for stuff. You know, band, students on band scholarships have always been able to make money. And it's in some ways weird that athletes could. But yep. it's hard for me to say that athletes can't be allowed to transfer when, when you and I were at South Dakota State could have transferred whenever we want with no repercussions. Mm-hmm. I do like that they they have the – it's not getting enforced nearly as often now, but that you can transfer, but you can't play the next year and you have to sit out a year. I think I do kind of like that rule. Yep. Because if you really want to transfer, I think you should be able to, but I don't think you should just be like, oh, yeah, I had a bad day and I'm angry and I'm transferring and there's no, like, ramifications at all. Yep. yep. And I don't think I like that they're just basically allowed to – and I think the rule is is that just the one year, I guess they wouldn't call it a suspension, but in effect, it's almost like a suspension. But mm-hmm. but they still have that. But it's just that if you get a lawyer, then they're like, all right, we can't. You don't have to do it after all. <laughs> I think that's what I don't like. Is like if you want to transfer, I don't want to say that like you can't you can't do it. I think you should be able to. But I like that you have to sit out a year, and that's why I like that they have the grad transfer rule that you can transfer. And play immediately if you graduated because even if we're going to debate about whether you know how much academic is in academic or in or how much student is in student athletes at the highest level that they're at least pretending like they care about academics yeah yep. so I, I, I kind of wish it would have been more like it was five years ago where you could still have the transfer portal because I, if I remember I think they started the transfer portal because Originally, it was you could transfer, but it was just you had to go. You had to get permission from the head coach, and that was still that like, you would have to sit out a year. Yep. And then at times, coaches would be like, "No, we refuse to let you transfer, or you can only transfer to these three schools that will never play in the next five years." Right. That I don't love, but I like the idea that it made it so I think kids weren't as apt to just immediately leave. If something wasn't going their way. Exactly. This has become like more of a, oh, yeah, exactly. Things aren't going my way. Well, uh, I need, yeah, it's, that's and that's the bad part of what's going on in society in total, uh, not just college athletics. I do think, again, transfer portal should only be for a few certain circumstances. And, you know, I, like I say, I think it's destroying college basketball far more than it is college football. But I just thought I'd, I'd ask what your perspective was on the college football side or college sports in general. Because I think it needs to change. Something needs to be changed here. And but hopefully... I, I, and it's only been there for like two or three, four years, something like that. Not that long, but it's already changed. I mean, it's more so in basketball, like you said. Mm-hmm. But even in football now, it's changed where it's just like, oh, we you, know, there's, you get 85 scholarships and there's all these kids that you know, transfer or get injured and have, you know, can't play the rest of their career. Right. Well, but the teams like, in, you know, June are like, oh, well, we got two scholarships. It's like, oh, well, we could give a scholarship to a walk-on. And it's like, yeah, we can do that. That'd be great. It's like, well, yeah, you know what? Screw that. Well, wait, Let's just go get another kid from the transfer portal then. 
It's like look at Georgia, just specifically. Which it, it's good and bad. I don't want to yeah. say it's all bad. I think it's like a fifty-fifty thing. Is that there are there's a lot of good with it, but there's bad with it. Too. Yeah, I think it's yeah, and for me, I think it's more seventy-five percent bad, twenty-five percent good because I think it's getting abused. I think, and that's what's more damaging. Is it's that it's it's the cases where it's getting abused. But I just look at a situation like Georgia where they've gotten, like they had Justin Fields signed there and then he transferred to Ohio State. Well, they've also gotten JT Daniels from USC. I mean, they've Georgia has been in the, the center of these transfer quarterbacks for like a number. It's just like rotating chairs. Like what, Jamie Newman or something? He, he transferred from Wake Forest to Georgia. So I I, I get it. it. There's good there, There's good things. There's bad things. But I, I just wish something would be done in that because I think it is going to affect college sports in general. But we'll, we'll be able to talk more about the college football playoff expansion in the, the months and the years to come. But, you know, after it comes to fruition, we can we'll discuss it. The college football season kicks off here in, um, you know, less than three months. So get the, start getting the college football preview ready, Charlie, because I'm going to be come knocking on your door uh, to, to have you back on the podcast and of course if anything else big happens or if you just want to come on and you know uh, whatever you know to talk uh, shoot the shit you know, shoot the breeze whatever you know whatever the saying is you're always welcome on here my friend but I appreciate it and any other final thoughts that you have uh, one last quick thing it's college football season starting in a couple months here yep do you know what the very first FBS game of the season is oh lord um it, there was a game that was supposed to be played in Ireland, I think, that got canceled, right? It was supposed to be in Dublin, and they... There was a game that was supposed to be in Ireland. It didn't get canceled, but it's just being played in the United States instead now. Okay. Um, is, that the one, is that the Illinois one Illinois against to? Nebraska, so my, the first game of the season, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. I mean, I could be really happy that day or really upset that day, too. <laughs> I hope for your sake it uh, that it goes well. Um, is that yeah? Northern Nebraska and Illinois is that correct? Yep, Illinois. Who I believe, if I read in, uh, I should say, like I, other than reading some college football playoff stuff, I have not looked into any next season stuff yet. But if I remember right, I think uh, your good buddy Burt Bielema is the new head coach at Illinois now too. Yes, yeah, so me and Burt go way back. I tell you what, that's right. We've been exchanging letters. Uh, we're pen pals practically at this point. And nothing says let's kick off the college pen and football. paper letters written in cursive. Yeah, exactly. Sealed with a kiss on a handkerchief. Hey, I I did cursive. I learned cursive in school. That's something that needs to be brought back into our schools. But that's here for another day or another time. Uh, I I got to tell you that nothing uh, says kick off to college football. Like Nebraska at Illinois, like that just screams college football to me. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to like drag your Huskers down, but like that's uh, couldn't we could get a better college football game, couldn't we, to kick off the season? Like there, there's got to be like 50 other matchups that would be better, at least maybe 80 or 100 or maybe 250. Maybe that's. 250 is a lot, but you still might be right. Well, I'm thinking like all the different combinations. Like we could do like Nebraska, Ohio State would be better. Nebraska, well, Iowa that's the would thing. be better. Would it be better? I mean, it would be better in terms of talent on the field. I don't think it would be better in terms of how close the game is, though. That's true. That's true. Maybe maybe we'll get a close game here. But we'll be able to talk about that all as the season uh, gets closer to kickoff. We'll preview it. We'll have a big preview this year, a better preview than last year. 
and I think we might get some uh, uh, our, uh, games back in play. So that's going to be great this year as we get towards a regular college football season once again. But, Charlie, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, be well, stay cool, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yep, sounds good. Nice talking to you again, buddy. Thank you very much, Charlie. Appreciate it as always. Yep, have a good one. You as well. Charlie Hildebrand from the Northwest Iowa Review, kind enough to join me here, talking about the college football playoff expansion, also with the transfer portal in there. I, I'm I'm for expansion. It needs to go from four. I think eight would have been better, and under my my proposal, six, uh, yeah, the all five Power Five teams get in, plus an additional, like the, the non-Power Five. That's six, and then two at-large. It's just... I think 8 is so much better than 12, where you get 5 through 12 playing, 1 through 4 get a bye. I, I don't know. Uh, we'll move on for college football. We'll talk some hockey and soccer. Hopefully we'll get Marcus Traxler on here. If not, I'll uh, I'll get it all. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk it. I mean, we'll discuss it. We'll Because we'll, there's obviously bad shit happened down there or over there in Europe across the pond with Denmark and the player collapsing. So uh, we'll discuss that and the NHL uh, and more. And also the NHL playoffs as the semifinals get underway. That's all coming up here on the Sports Block Podcast. Okay, follow uh, uh, Charlie on Twitter at C.E. Hildebrand. As always, follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken. Uh, link to the podcast post in the middle to the later part of each week. We'll say it. We said it earlier. We'll say it again at the end of the podcast. But coming up next, more hockey or some hockey talk and some soccer talk as well. With or without Marcus Traxler, we'll find out next. Here on the Sports Block Podcast, now available on podcast.com. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, time to talk some hockey and soccer. And who better to do that with than my good friend from the Mitchell Daily Republic, Marcus Traxler. Marcus, how are we doing? Good, Zach, and how are you? Very good, thank you. Um, let's start with the hockey first. Uh, we are in the semifinals. It's Montreal against Vegas and the New York Islanders against the Tampa Bay Lightning. What intrigues you most out of these two semifinals? Well, I think the main thing is, is are we going to see, you know, I think it's clear the two best teams remaining are Vegas and Tampa Bay. That's certainly the case on, on paper. Uh, will we see those two teams in the final? Um, I think the Islanders are certainly worthy challengers to the, to the Lightning. Uh, they've shown that to this point in the playoffs and obviously won game one in this uh, semifinal series. So, they're uh, they're going to be a tough out uh, against this uh, Tampa Bay team. I, I you know we've been wrong about stuff here in these playoffs already, but uh, I would be stunned if Montreal uh, you know really gets us to six games or, or longer mm-hmm. in this series. So I really do expect Vegas to move on. And then I think if you're if you're looking at that, how long of a break is there if there is one uh, between these two teams potentially going to the finals? So um, I think. That's, that's kind of the storyline I'm, I'm really looking at, and I would be surprised if we don't get uh, those two teams. We always seem to get a shocker of some sort, but those are the two best teams that are left, and I think uh, the average fan would be the most interested in those games. I would agree with that. I do think, though, that the Islanders do present a, a fairly significant challenge to the Lightning, just because you can't ever count out what uh, Barry Trotz can come up with. The, very, the Islanders are a very good defensive team, and I think what will help the Islanders in this series against the Lightning is being able to play on home. They've already taken home ice, uh, having won game one in Tampa Bay. But I have to imagine that Nassau Coliseum is going to be absolutely 
electric. Maybe you know we saw how great it was in the first two rounds, but this this round is going to be something even like beyond the pale of comparison. And one of those kind of classic hockey bones that uh, this is it. This is the last run because they're going to move into a, a new arena near Belmont Park uh, next year. So mm-hmm. uh, this is, you know, unless they make the Stanley Cup final, this is it. And uh, I, I know there's a lot of excitement from, from the Islanders that they've gotten to the point to this point. You know, it is, uh, they are a lot deeper team than I think uh, they got credit for before. I mean, who, who necessarily had them pegged for a you know, final four appearance necessarily, but um and you, you put them up against uh, a Tampa Bay team that I, I heard the other day, and I, I really didn't realize this, but they're way over the salary cap. But the salary cap doesn't matter in the playoffs because um, nobody gets paid in the playoffs, or at least you know you don't get your typical salary. So uh, you know, on any day of the regular season, this wouldn't be a legal roster, a legal lineup for Tampa Bay. But because uh, the salary cap not really a factor, all of these players were on their roster. You know, during the year, but they get move different people around due to injuries and stuff, and so they've got a roster that's over the salary cap, and that just shows how deep they are. And uh, that may be a rule that needs to be changed in the future, but Tampa Bay's got a chance to exploit it for a second uh, Stanley Cup. Absolutely, and I wonder too. I mean, we we kind of got to know uh, Tampa Bay a lot last year in the bubble. They won the Stanley Cup, of course, against Dallas, and they have Braden Point, who was you know let all. Uh, players and goals scored last year in the in the bubble. I think he had 14. He's already at 10 this year, and I don't think he's being talked enough about just how great of a player he is, especially come playoff time. Yeah, exceptional player, um, you know, exceptional uh, skill, you know, speed, that sort of thing. He's got all those those talents, and yeah, you put him against some of these other guys that that Tampa Bay has. Uh, there's just skill for days. They've got. You know, a lot of depth in those top three lines, and um, yeah, that that is daunting for anybody that takes them on. I, I, I think what you said about the Islanders is absolutely true. A good defensive team, they're going to need to sort of match wits in every way. I, I think the fact that they've gotten out of this, they will get out of this uh, first two games no worse than one and one, is a huge advantage. Now, um, you know, much like we've said with some of these other series, you know, even if if Tampa Bay were down two nothing. Um, they're, they're capable of playing their way out of it, but uh, we have not seen a team make a big, you know, rally out of a huge hole um, aside from 2-0, right? That was uh, that was Vegas, and and so we have not seen a team down, you know, 3-0 or 3-1 make the big rally necessarily and, and make the comeback. So uh, that's that's the challenge that would be in front of uh, a team in that scenario, and, and even if the Islanders are able to sort of put, uh, or, or excuse me, if if uh, Tampa Bay. Um, is able to you know put the Islanders in a jam. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it all played out. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And then again, just go back to the Canadians and and Vegas Golden Knights series quick. I think we all you know expect Vegas to win. I would expect them to win in no more than five. I think you said six just a couple minutes ago. Uh, that series against Colorado was incredibly entertaining. And again, Colorado wins you know or gets up two zero in the series. And just a couple of bad breaks, and they, they end up losing, you know, the final four. And I guess just to put a bow on Colorado, see, I mean, A, it, it, it's an incredibly remarkable by what Vegas has been able to do. And they're a very good team. They're very deep, and that's in large part because of the expansion draft, which, again, they're exempt from with Seattle's expansion draft coming up, which I think is a crock of shit. But that, that aside... Is, that is, I, I honestly had not heard that rule, so that is kind of a, that's kind of a bonus, yeah. 
It, it, I mean, it's. I, I just don't understand why they would be exempt. I mean, if you, and maybe if they were bad, that'd be one thing. But they're 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 going to be in their second Stanley Cup, arguably in three years. Or I mean, that's it's. I I don't know. But for Colorado, I just. I thought they were the deeper team. I thought they had the better players, especially with uh, McKinnon and Langeskog. In your mind, what happened that they... I don't know if it was so much collapsed or Vegas just kind of found the right the right gear at the right time. But again, I, I mentioned it last week that this would be awfully disappointing. And I still feel that way this week that the Avalanche... I mean, that's a very disappointing end to a season where they were widely considered the favorites. Absolutely. I, I don't know any way how you can evaluate it otherwise. Uh, you know, absolutely a, a disappointment from Colorado. We talked a little bit, I had only mentioned last week that Game 3, you know, it felt like uh, that was a chance for Colorado to steal one more and make it 3-0 and they mm-hmm. let the league get away from them in the third period and, and never really had, uh, then was outplayed the rest of the series. And that, to me, that's the main story. They were outplayed. There were some games in those uh, games three through six where it was relatively close, but they were outplayed in all of them, and uh, especially at the end where you know, it was it was not close. You know, it was uh, 4-1 or 5-1 or whatever the score was. And so, you know, I think if you're – we've kind of talked about this with some other teams, and I, I kind of come back to um, – obviously they're better than the Oilers, but you kind of have that Oilers feeling like, okay, well, you've had this group together for a while. Um, to Scott, McKinnon – I know McKinnon kind of said the right things, knowing, hey, look, I've been in this league for a while now. I haven't won anything. I'm as disappointed as anybody. Uh, but this situation doesn't get any easier for Colorado. I do believe they have to pay Kale, uh, Kale McCarr, who's one of the best defensemen in the league, a very young talent. They, they've got to you know, try to seal him up long term. So the salary cap becomes more of an issue for them. And uh, I, I don't really know where they, I don't think they're going to sort of start peeling off these, these top talents necessarily, but uh, the entire. You know, challenge is is there now, and um, for them to, to really go through this year and, and not make the Stanley Cup final, I think is a failure. Not even make the the, the semifinal is a failure, mm-hmm. and they did not perform well last year in the bubble. Uh, they were knocked out early as well. So um, you look at these last two years when they were among the best teams in the play, in the uh, regular season and, and one of the favorites going into the playoffs. You just kind of have to shake your head and say. You got you got outplayed, and uh, what is it about being up two zero that saw things sort of flip? Hard to say. I, I, I think it's certainly a credit to Vegas. They had better goaltending. Mm-hmm. When you go back to the uh, the game one, they gave that away really by not starting Flurry and going with Rob Lehner, who's a good goalie. But uh, you know, Mark Andre Flurry's playing like a guy who's looking to get another Stanley Cup. Yep, yep, and I think he's probably if Vegas wins, I think he's the uh, the the Conn Smythe winner. I think he's the MVP. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you look at uh, the way he's played in this series, and we should just say, for the, the for the sake of being honest, the one chance that the Cadians have is if Carey Price plays like one of the best goalies in the league. And he's shown an ability to do that, but it's going to have to take a lot. Mm-hmm. And there are some really good players on Montreal. I think they're a team that's on the come, you know, so to speak. Yep. Aaron Cole Caulfield's an incredible talent. Yep. And not a big guy, but a terrific goal scorer. But it just... It doesn't seem like they're going to have the firepower to beat Vegas. 
in a seven-game series. I would agree with that, like Montreal being a team on the come. I also thought Vancouver, though, was a team on the come last year, and they really... Uh, and they were nowhere flat. to be found this year. Yeah, so. no, it, it, was, it was bad. So we'll see if Montreal can do it. It's uh, Hopefully should be an entertaining uh, semifinals, and we'll see what happens in the Stanley Cup. It would just make... You know, the, you know the the latest Stanley Cup that we've had in a, in a normal year, I guess. You know, the the bubble year not or the bubble last year notwithstanding, but to have Tampa Bay against Vegas uh, in you know at the end of June, early July, to hoist the Stanley Cup, I can only imagine what the ice is going to be like in each of those arenas. It's going to be something else. Uh, well, we've we've talked about it before, and, mm-hmm. and I mean, this is just uh, you got to embrace sort of these southern. Stanley Cups, you know, in normal scenarios, we've seen uh, Vegas go nuts, we've seen Nashville go nuts, we've seen Tampa yep. uh, Bay go nuts, so uh, there's certainly big-time hockey fans in those markets, I agree with you, it's going to be very awkward, uh, you could, you know, I doubt they're going to play on July 4th, but you could see, uh, you could have uh, the hockey on TV and then go watch fireworks, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it just, it seems odd that, that they're playing this late in the year, but uh, circumstances have dictated that, and, and the same can be said for the NBA as well. Yep, I think the MVP then, if if that's the the Stanley Cup final, we get the MVP should be the uh, the the ice uh, the the arena keepers, the, 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 the zombie, yep. the, not the zombies, the, the zamboni drivers and whatnot. <laughs> the, um, the air conditioning will be on. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Full full blast, no doubt. Uh, let's switch over to the soccer. We're a week into the UEFA Euro Championship here, and the dominant story happened almost right away on day two on Saturday with Denmark's Christian Eriksen collapsing on the ground here. I I don't know if you were watching the game live at that point. I was on the golf course, and I see this uh, headline. I'm like, whoa, what, what the heck happened? And I'm reading tweets about how scary this was. And then you find out by the Denmark team doctor the next day that he was gone. Like, he was pretty much... He was he was dead on the field essentially. They you know used a defibrillator, zapped him once, and and he, he got back, which is great. I mean that's that's the good news is that he's still alive. But what a just absolutely terrifying moment for Denmark there. Absolutely, and uh, I was watching. I happened to be in the other room when it happened, so I came back to my TV and I saw you know kind of everybody just standing around. I'm like, well, this isn't good. And then they said who it was, and I mean this is. This is Denmark's best player. Uh, you know, a, a legitimate star has played for Tottenham. I believe he's on their inner line at this point and, uh, you know, on the club front. And, uh, you know, I, I was trying to think because I knew we'd, we'd be talking about this. You know, what is the equivalent, you know, in U.S. sport? And, I, you know, Denmark is not, I mean, maybe you've got a suggestion, but Denmark is not a, you know, powerhouse by any means. But to me, this is like if. If Giannis for the Bucks was the guy that got hurt, where he's the major star on this team, the guy you're kind of counting on, and all of a sudden you're not, you don't have him in it. We're not talking about uh, maybe he won't play. He may not live. You know, he, he may mm-hmm. die on the field, and and this has happened in soccer from time to time. But you just you don't expect that. And uh, what a terrifying set of circumstances. And um, yeah, I made the remark to uh, our, our friend uh, David Schottenkirk, a fellow soccer fan, you know, mm-hmm. that there was some criticism of ESPN and they're just sort of taking the world beats of, you know, of showing this scene. And I think everybody knows that when you break out a defibrillator, you're not, you're not uh, using that on a guy's uh, lungs or his kidneys. I mean, right. uh, it, it's there to start, start the guy's heart again. And what a scary, you know, what a scary set of circumstances there. And, uh, 
it's amazing that he apparently is doing fine. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to play at any point soon, but, uh, you know, it's just uh, what a scary thing for a guy who's 29 years old uh, and the lead player in the world, somebody that you would expect to be in terrific shape, and I'm sure he is, and from what I've gathered, didn't have COVID, so that doesn't seem to be part of the scenario here. Um, what, a, what a scary deal. I think that the one thing that I, I mentioned to Travis earlier that I think the, the comparison I can bring it most to could be Hank Gathers from uh, Loyola Marymount when he yeah. collapsed on the, the court. Um, and I, I don't know what game it was, but it was like in the middle. Of, I mean, that's the, the only thing that really comes to mind, I guess, for me in terms of a, a player collapsing like that. And you're just like, well, wait, what happened? I mean, and he died, you know, either on the court or a short time later. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's, it's completely terrifying uh, so that's the only real, um, I guess, example I could get, or the the first thing that I I thought of, or that I could compare it to, and then to make Denmark play, I guess the whole like the situation or the circumstances surrounding that decision, it sounded like the that uh, UEFA asked the players to make the decision if they wanted to keep going or not, whether that be Saturday or on Sunday, and they elected to play, you know, just a, a few hours later. Is that correct? Is that the understanding here? Well, they kind of you know publicly put out there that you know we'll either we'll either cancel the game now or we'll uh, you know play now or we'll I don't know if cancellation cancellation was really even on the table. It was either we're going to play now or we're going to come back and play tomorrow. And I think you know at that point they're just thinking, well, let's just play now. I guess you know what it, it kind of sounded like they were backed into a corner. And it, it, the more I read about it, the more it seemed like. UEFA gave him kind of two bad options. You know, it wasn't necessarily a, uh, you know, that that they really wanted to play. And so that that stinks. I, you know, from an administration of the tournament, I, I understand you've got, you know, I, I don't know the exact schedule, but you basically got four or five days between games. And as we get to the end of the group stage, it tightens even a little further. So you don't want to put either team too far behind. But at the same time, these players damn near saw their, their captain or teammate die on the field and the idea of sending them back out there for 45 minutes another 45 minutes and expecting them to play anything near their top game is just not realistic mm-hmm. and so um i don't have a problem with them finishing out the game because um while i, I don't know that uh, what kind of salary these players are taking from this tournament but probably not much they are professionals they do know that that they're there to Excuse me. Play the game. This is obviously a huge money maker, um, but it's obviously, from a human standpoint, a terrible, terrible thing. The only other thing I would say on this front is, um, you know, you mentioned Hank Gathers, and I think that was in 1992 or 93, mm-hmm. and uh, or maybe a little earlier than that. And so, um, you know, think about how far we've come with the technology. Obviously, defibrillators are a huge part of. You know, we see them in gyms, we see them in public places. And uh, I thought to myself, I don't know if I really, if I had to pull one off the wall, but I know what to do. And obviously we have situations where they're, they're the best medical care is there, but um, it, it did make me think, like, um, you know, that's, you never know if you're going to find yourself in that situation. And so we do see these, and it's great that they're in all these places, but knowing how to use them is a big part of this. And, it did get me thinking that, like, that's a that's an important part of educating the public of, like, hey, if you find yourself in this situation and there's not a doctor around or an EMT 
mm-hmm. um, you know, do your best to help him out because uh, the matter of seconds and minutes makes a difference. And thankfully, Christian Erickson's life was saved on on Saturday. Absolutely, that's a great point by you. I just and I wonder now with this. I mean, you can plan for a thousand different scenarios uh, that could happen, I suppose. And I don't know if you know player collapsing at like. Uh, Erickson did and you know needing a defibrillator to, to be brought back to life necessarily b- gets into the realm of possibility or that you think something like that is going to happen but now that this has happened what does this what do you think this does for you know these major soccer tournaments or maybe I guess I'll just specifically keep it to soccer what does this do for UEFA going forward for the World Cup going forward like now that this has happened do they need to have, like be able to put in a little more flexibility or something for this or is this just a freak accident and you know there's really nothing that you know to prepare for or think of going forward here well I think the one thing I would say is that um, I have the hunch that the national teams put a lot of the responsibility on the clubs that have that employ the players. I don't know, you know, if if somebody signs up to play for the Danish uh, national team or the U.S. national team, if we were to use our, our country for example, mm-hmm. are they being cardiac screened for these tournaments, or are we just under the assumption that well, the teams, the club's physician, the team's physician, uh, they're taking care of it. This this player is good to go. Um, I, I would guess that it's probably put on the players, and the res- and you have these national teams sort of abdicating their responsibility, saying, "Well, it's taken care of." Um, this is one of those things that seems to happen a little too often in sports right now to just be written off as a as a well, 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 thing. Obviously, Florida had Keontae Johnson in, in the winter have yep. a heart, heart incident. Um, yeah, obviously, those, these are two well publicized examples. It's just two, but at the same time, we know there's more out there. Uh, you hear uh, every year of, you know, a handful, you know, maybe not more than five, but uh, high school kids that are relatively good sleep that die or need to be resuscitated. Yep. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think the format of the tournament is what it is. Um, I don't know if you would draw any line to the exhaustion. Obviously, we're not doctors. We don't, we don't know necessarily, but... Um, you are you are playing a lot of matches in a short amount of time. I'll talk about this being sort of the cap of two really long years of, of soccer. That uh, it's only going to get worse next year because we've got the World Cup at a weird time. And uh, you know, some of those players, you know, they didn't play through COVID, but they they stopped. And ever since then, it's been go go go. So mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer is, but I think everybody's kind of got to look inward and say, well, what are we doing that is maybe going to put potentially save a life or not put us in a situation. Yeah, and I think uh, we've seen a lot of injuries in the NBA playoffs. Uh, you know, uh, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, uh, Jamal Murray in the regular season for the Denver Nuggets. And, it, you know, some people are saying, well, that you've crammed so much basketball on these guys and have not allowed their bodies to heal. And I think that's kind of something similar that we're kind of thinking of on the FCS level with the Jackrabbits. And, um, and, and the NBA is, is an example. We've got talk now about who's going to be on the Olympic team for the U.S. basketball team. They don't get paid to play in the Olympics. You know, mm-hmm. so it's that's that's purely I'm playing for my country, and that is a lot of basketball. And then certainly there's other sports, other events that are in the same way where it's like, well, here's more commitment over the next month, two months, 
And then in, I'm guessing in October they're going to be asked, hey, let's ramp it up and keep going because I'm sure the request is going to be, well, we're going to play ADQ again next year. And uh, that just doesn't seem like a good idea. And, and uh, I don't know. The human body has its limits. You can't mm-hmm. just go, go, go and not have some sort of reaction or consequence, unfortunately. Yep, absolutely. Uh, to the the tournament itself here, we everyone's played one match as uh, we're recording this podcast here. So uh, Group A, Italy beat Turkey 3-0. Uh, Switzerland and Wales tied or, uh, 1-1. Anything uh, in either of these matches that you really saw, that, like anything to really take away from? I would say that uh, Wales getting a draw is a, is a, a, a good result. You know, Switzerland at one point, uh, at least in one of the, the World Cups recently, was a top eight team. You know, essentially a, a a position team in a group. You know, so they were in you know, that sort of number one slot. And I don't think they are necessarily in that category anymore. I think in this group, Italy would have would have that position. But uh, for Wales to get a, a result, get a point out of that, was not a bad thing. Nope, I agree with that, and I'm, I'm glad that they got a point, and I hope they can somehow make it out of the group play. That would be great to see. Uh, in Group B, already talked about Denmark and, and the Finland game uh, or the Finland match. Finland won that game one to nothing, uh, for what it's worth. I, they might be the new Iceland for me this year of a you know a team that's kind of no one really gave much of a shot to. Are they going to be able to escape Group B here? They they have a, a great three points, Belgium crushed Russia, that's not unexpected here, but do we think that Finland can hold off Denmark here? I, I, I'm going to just discount Russia entirely. Or do you think Denmark ultimately prevails in advances? Well, it's a major major result, major three points for Finland to have that over Denmark. I think you know, you look at this group and say, well, I might pick Denmark to get out of it because of Christian Eriksen. He's that kind of player, and uh, you don't have him. They didn't win the game uh, on Saturday with rightfully so, given what had happened. So, you know, Belgium is, is sort of that number one team in this group. Under normal circumstances, I think you at least give Russia some consideration, but I think uh, the two teams are, are could be Finland and uh, Belgium. And obviously, you know, if Russia comes back and beats Finland, uh, we've got a brand new story here. Mm-hmm. Uh, group C, uh, congrats to North Macedonia for exceeding my expectations and not losing 5-0. They've actually scored a goal. They lost 3-1 to Austria, Austria and uh, the Netherlands. Both won. The, U- the, the Netherlands beat Ukraine 3-2. Do, can the Ukraine get back into this thing here? Can they actually advance here? Or do we think that Australia and the Netherlands are the teams that will uh, advance? On, on paper, I think those are the two teams that, that would va- advance. I think if you're uh, if you're like me, you spent the entire match on, uh, on uh, I believe it was Saturday or Sunday, whenever they played, just Googling uh, what the hell is North Macedonia. And uh, it's really just a naming dispute that they couldn't just be Macedonia because Greece didn't like that. So they went with North Macedonia. And good for them. They didn't embarrass themselves in their debut. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I sort of pencil, penciled down Netherlands. They were terrific in their first match and uh, after that I think you kind of throw a dart at the board and see what happens but, you know Ukraine has had some some history uh, internationally so it's certainly possible they could get through but uh, I, I don't hold my breath I mean Austria is not really a team I'm, I'm keeping an eye on as a, a long term team to make a run but somebody will we know somebody will make a run in this tournament that we wouldn't expect 
I when I hear Macedonia, I think macadamia nut cookie. I don't know yeah. why. Don't and know those why. are delicious, of course. They yes. are. They are very good. The white chocolate chip uh, macadamia nut cookies from Subway, top notch. Yeah, uh, yeah. To, uh, group D, Czech Republic. They beat Scotland and uh, the Peter Schick with that amazing fifty-four yard goal. I think what I saw the the stat, the longest goal in a Euro uh, UEFA Euro tournament since 19 like 80 or something like that so that's impressive uh who gets more of the credit here schick for the kick or the scotland or who i guess does schick get more credit for the kick or does the scotland goaltender uh get more blame for being so badly out of position well i do give schick the credit an incredible uh attempt on goal and then you know the 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 camera from behind the net showed the curvature of the ball and to do that from 50 yards out is pretty incredible that being said, how the hell do you let that happen? I mean, Scotland, I don't believe you've played an international competition in like 25 years. Yep, 1998. And that's, and that's what you do in your in your uh, debut in, in this format. So that's that's not good. And, uh, you know, maybe a precursor of how the rest of this group is going to unfold for those two teams at least. Yeah, do we think that the Czech Republic and England are going to ultimately prevail? They're the teams with the three points right now. Yeah, it sure seems that way. I think, you know, England, uh, you know, Croatia's uh, a really good team. Obviously, we've seen them in the last few, I believe the last World Cup, you know, make a pretty good run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a disgrace that they did not wear their checkerboard uh, uniforms, but I expect those to be out yep. before long. And, you know, England, they had this track record of not getting a win in the first group, group stage game, so they got that done and uh, saw some of these younger guys come up, get a chance to play. Uh, with a with a big win, so um, England's getting all excited, getting all bothered. I don't expect them long term to necessarily be a title contender, but they've got the first victory under the belt and should get through this group pretty safely. I really hope that Scotland can prevail, like especially against England. That would be fantastic. But uh, that would make things interesting, and obviously both under the uh, the Union Jack banner. But uh, yeah, I, I I mean I just you look at the roster and you're like, okay, well they got a couple good players, but uh, not impressed by uh, their defense and the goaltending in that first match. Absolutely. And then in Group E, Slovakia beats Poland 2-1. to uh, I think a disappointing result for Poland. I think a lot of people had some, or some people had some high expectations for Poland. Then Sweden, Spain, they draw. No, no goal scored in that one at all. And uh, that's a very disappointing result for Spain. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Just, I think good job by Sweden to get through that. You you take a, a point off of one of these teams that you absolutely would have, uh, you know, getting through this group in normal circumstances. I think both these teams uh, should be in position to potentially get through, but um, you you have uh, weird things happen all the time, and uh, that was one of the sort of the more premier matchups, certainly of the uh, the opening rotation of, of group stage games. Does Poland, do you think, can they vault past Spain and Sweden and, and heck, even Slovakia, even though they, obviously Slovakia beat them, uh, can Poland, will Poland get back in this thing here, or do we think, you know, Sweden can maybe pull off the upset over Spain? How does this, uh, how does that second spot pull out? Well, I think a, a great opportunity is, okay, we'll see if you can't get a draw against Spain, and see if you can't get, a, get three points against Sweden with a victory, and, and that's I think kind of your best bet. Hope you're in that four-point uh, group. Try to get through on the tiebreaker, I suppose. And uh, that's kind of the, the way I would... I just don't see them winning two, two matches against those teams. So that is the challenge. And, um, I, you know, I just... I think it would be... It's a little chalky to say, yeah, those, 
that Sweden and Spain are going to be teams getting out, but I'm not impressed by either of the other uh, teams here. Final group, Group F, Portugal, If uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe they won the World Cup, correct? Yes. Yes, uh, and then France both have won. France seems like they're a favorite, and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo for Portugal is, is uh, the goal, your international goal-scoring leader now with uh, with his goal against Hungary here. Germany seems like maybe they're a little down. I know they had a, an own goal against France, and then France scored one, but it was deemed offsides. Uh, Portugal and France, just how dominant are they in this group? I mean, this seems like a very difficult group. Maybe the most difficult one, uh, am I correct? Is is Group F probably the group of death? Certainly. And, uh, you know, yet yet Cristiano Ronaldo won his game in the first the first match. So two goals from him, that, that sets up well. And, uh, you know, just kind of amazing that you have sort of these two powers, Germany and France, end up playing the last game of, of this uh, you know first match day of, of group games and and uh, you have an own goal that decides it very defensively minded but I think if you're France you look at the game and they played the way they need to to be a contender in this series so uh, the onus that they want in Germany is somehow get you know three you know they need at least four points to get through I would say and uh, if they can come away with two more wins they're going to be in a good position sort of having that roster turnover a little bit where uh, they're looking at a new generation of of talent, so uh, they they've got their backs against the wall now. After you know dropping that first match, no shame in dropping into France, but you got to come out and you really got to beat Portugal here at some point. Mm-hmm. So very good uh, opening first round of the or you know, first matches of the of the tournament. And look forward to keeping track of all those. Last thing uh, before I let you go here with college football playoff now expanding from four to twelve. I think it's too much. Travis thinks it's okay. Uh, Charlie, I think, is uh, he, he likes it, but maybe could be a little uh, – he's more worried about the regular season now. What are your thoughts on college football playoff expanding from 4 to 12? I think it should have just expanded to 8, um, but I'm curious to hear your thought. Yeah, I've, I've kind of been talked into this being a really good solution. I, I think in a lot of ways it makes almost everybody happy. Uh I think the decision to make it sort of the top six conference champions and not have it beholden to any six conferences is terrific. Uh, that leaves the door open to, uh, you know, in the traditional sense, at least one group of five conference. If the Pac-12 or whoever it is continues to be crap, uh, that, that leaves it open to two teams. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've seen it uh, certainly in where, I would say, you know, certainly with like the ACC before Clemson, really got dominant or um, the Pac-12 has had it to a certain degree or you know, really any year where it might be, you know, last year we had Northwestern against Ohio State in the conference championship game mm-hmm. uh, if Northwestern beats Ohio State in that game and they get the, they are the conference champions but they're not one of the top six teams uh, Ohio State now has to have an at-large bid and you let somebody else have that that uh, conference championship bid and that, that lets somebody else in the picture just using that as an example yep. so um, I think that's a, a cool uncle. Um, the one thing that I think would have, would make it better, and I think at some point they're probably going to tweak it, is to have that quarterfinal round be on campuses as well. If your if your team's one through four, you should have a bowl game. I mean, there's there's really uh, so much money I think to be made in this playoff, and the fact that we have the bowl cronies worked in like we always have, 
kind of sucks. I think the, the schedule is, is not perfect at all because we're not playing the quarterfinals till January 1. So, and if you just kind of assume there's going to be 10 days between each game, also we're not playing the championship till January 20th. I know the NFL playoffs are going to be backed up now uh, because they've got the 17 games, but yep. it just, it. I don't love the schedule. Uh, I wish we were kind of still on the same, we're in the season at the same time. Maybe at some point we can be talked into it because I think you could talk uh, college football into moving up into that week zero that we kind of got used to and say, hey, we're going sure. to try to get two weeks out of the NFL. Um, I think that would be a good strategy. Mm-hmm. And I also think that, you know, um, there's going to be a lot more interest in the end of the season. You think about 12 teams, and you think about how many potential teams are going to have at least be within shouting distance of the playoff. And you're, that's going to be a lot of games. That's just so many more games uh, across these conferences that are going to have an appeal. You could beat team, uh, especially with the conference championship sort of way into the tournament, you could be 23rd or, or you know 21st in those last few weeks and still have an outside chance of getting into the playoffs. Either maybe you're going to be a conference champion or maybe you're going to be uh, able to get up into the 12 spot because you're going to play the right teams or whatever it might be. So um, I think that's a, a good wrinkle, and I just think the more we go, I'm sort of talking into it. You know, we've we've become very accustomed to 12 teams in the NFL playoffs yep. and we're a little bit more than that now. That's really the format we have here, and I think uh, you think there's 130 teams essentially in college football 12 teams is a lot more representative of how things go. And, uh, you know, think of the teams that it, we've seen a lot of, like, past brackets, what it would look like under previous formats. We'd be letting so many more teams in. Yeah, uh, certainly in the Big Ten, just use the Big Ten, for example, Michigan would have made it a couple times. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin, like, three times. A Penn State, uh, you know, two or three times. None of those teams made the four-team playoff. It was just Ohio State, and we had Michigan State one time. And that just completely changes the whole purview of how we look at things. You know, how would you look at Jim Harbaugh if he's been in the playoffs a couple times? Or, you know, look at Penn State. You know, all these different programs, how much different would it be if the playoffs 12 teams, and it becomes a big deal to win that first-round game at home. These games, these these first-round games on campus sites are going to be incredible because um, you're going to have some really great matchups and you're going to have the energy of playing it in front of 80,000 people on campus. I look forward to the Ball State Alabama game. That's what I look forward to. If some, is, is Ball State hosting Alabama? Well, no, 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 no. But Ball State will have to go play against Alabama. But I'm just saying I mean, that's going to suck because Alabama is going to beat them. But uh, <laughs> you, you look at last year, uh, Cincinnati plays Georgia. We had that bowl game yep. in the Peach Bowl. It was a great game. Yep. How much? How great would it be to have it at Cincinnati, where Georgia's got to go on the road? Yep. And play, we love that, and, yes. and that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. You got a team going to Boise State on the Smurf turf, and they got to play up there in December. That sounds awesome to me. Oh, I don't think a lot of people want to be going to Boise in December. We're not going to Boise. We just got to watch it on TV. Well, I know we don't. <laughs> I know we don't. I guess, you know, that people do enjoy the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. I do wonder, though, like, do you think this is going to cut into the bowl games? Or, like, and I mean, by that I mean, do you think a couple bowl games get reduced as a result of this? Or are we just going to keep getting more and more bowl games until we get, like, 100 playoff-eligible teams? Well, it would sure seem that the bowls, we'd lose a few bowls, but uh, we've gone, you know, we've been following college football for our entire lives now, and I don't think the bowl number has really gone down our entire time. And these bowls just live on being sort of 
you know, cronies. But, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, it, it seems like it's uh, we're not going to see these teams that play in the first round and lose still go to a bowl game. Uh, that's not going to happen. So, um, you know, just by sheer numbers, you'd think, okay, well, we're going to lose three or four. But um, I know ESPN, they're the main reason we've got bowls to the degree, degree we do. They're going to make sure there's inventory between Christmas and New Year's so we all have games to watch at uh, 2 in the afternoon in a baseball stadium. So um, I, I think that part's not going anywhere. How it's all going to be structured is is uh, very interesting to see what might happen there. Mm-hmm. It certainly will. Uh, we'll, we have a couple more years at least before this uh, will, will take place, but uh, it seems like a foregone conclusion. Marcus, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, enjoy the hockey playoffs. Enjoy the, the UEFA Euro Cup, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, thanks, Jack. Yep, thanks as always, Marcus. Marcus Traxler from the Mitchell Daily Republic, kind enough to spend some time with me here. And uh, great insight on the soccer, great insight on the uh, on the hockey and the college football playoff. Uh, just, again, very glad that uh, Erickson is okay for Denmark here. That's a very scary situation there on Saturday. That will wrap it up for this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Next week, uh more basketball talk, more playoff talk, more Euro Cup talk, uh, baseball, and more cereal. Lots of cereal. Because uh, we got to keep getting that list. Uh, we got to keep working the list here for uh, for Travis here. So for Apple Jacks, it's the only one that he would be, eh, I'll eat it and have it in my cupboard, perhaps. But uh, find the podcast available on podcast.com. Follow Marcus on Twitter at Marcus Traxler. Follow uh, Travis on Twitter at Travis Krins. Follow Tra- Charlie on Twitter at C.E. Hildebrand. Follow me on Twitter at ND Stack and Facebook Nathan Stack and a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. So again, hope you enjoyed it. The hot weather is gone mainly. Uh, Mitchell dealing with some stuff this week, but the cooler weather will start to come in by the weekend. That's great news there. Hopefully we get get some rain out of it. Uh, U.S. Open is this weekend taking place at Torrey Pines, so that should be a lot of fun. So uh, enjoy the golf, the U.S. Open there on NBC. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that next week as well. Uh, who am I picking here? Hmm. Uh, Colin Morikawa, no. Uh, Dustin Johnson, no. Uh, did we pick Jordan Spieth? Eh. Oh, let's go Brooks Kepka. Why not? Let's go Brooksy. Uh, just because he hates Bryson DeChambeau, and, and, and we all do. So let's go Brooks Kepka there to win the U.S. Open. And with that, I think that just about wraps it all up. So uh, for Travis and Charlie and Marcus, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Blog Podcast. Happy early Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Uh, and we'll talk to you again next week. Nathan Second saying thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week.